America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs abuse. are menacing our society. What are your thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, thank you for joining us. This is the piece on drugs. On drugs. All right, that's the end show. Did you nice. recognize? Uh, well, I know you recognize Reagan. Reagan, of course, yeah. I believe that was Nixon at the beginning. And um, do you recognize the comedian? No, I'd have to listen again. It was Bill Hicks when he's like, I had a, it was a very short, he's just like, I had a great time doing drugs. Oh, of course, yeah. But it was from his bit, you know, where he talks about all the bad drug stories in the media. He's like, right. why wasn't there a good drug story? The, the young man on acid and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, all that. So that's so this, what I wanted to start with talking about what the podcast is about. And it's, um, the idea is obviously it's a, the name of it, the piece on drugs. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's a pun with, if you're a journalist, you do a piece on something, but also it's the war on drugs. Well, this is, how do we have the peace on drugs? How do we get mm -hmm. past this atrocious war that we've been fighting for how long? Try a different time? approach. Yeah. Exactly. 50 years. Uh, you started, well, I guess it started I don't remember when Harry Enslinger first. Oh, okay. You're gonna talk. Take it back to the, the hemp very beginning. Uh, yeah, Nixon was the was when it really got. Yeah. Right. The, the, way, the way it happened today. The way, way we we know it today. I guess started under Nixon, and then Reagan really pushed it even further. Mm -hmm. And then every president since, I guess, except Trump. I mean, I don't think he did a lot uh, to, to continue the. Uh, yeah. Now that you mention it. Um, he actually pulled back a little bit of the, and I'm not trying to pat him on the back for anything really, but he did do uh, something about the. Uh, Less than uh, the mandatory sentencing laws, and so uh, right mandatory mandatory minimums. first president I think to roll back on some of that. But for the most part, every president has has doubled down on the war, and I don't think it's necessarily all just out of anything nefarious. It's just they like that's the that's their method. They think it's going to work well. If it's not working, let's just try harder. Let's arrest more people. Let's make the penalties even stricter, and it's not working. Well, that's yet. one way of looking at it. So, <laughs> well, the, of course, the more conspiracy-minded among us think otherwise. It's all about for-profit prisons, and then oh, well, of course, now that's the whole. Yeah, you're right, and that's what the mandatory sentencing laws are for: is lobbying from for-profit prisons. It's like, hey, if we can get mandatory sentencing, we can get these numbers in these prisons up, right? And that's definitely we can fill all those beds exactly. And, and for-profit prisons is just absolutely insane. I mean, that's something I think that we're. I think the guy, the Biden administration is looking to scale back on, and there's at least federal support for those sort of institutions. Well, that'd be awesome, uh, and that's just one step. Also, the Biden administration is the first administration to talk about, um, or they've said, at least Kamala uh, Harris said in the vice presidential debate, that they would be decriminalizing marijuana federally and expunging everybody's record for marijuana. That's the last I've heard them talk about it. Right. So well, it's it's early. It is early, yeah. And they have a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, a lot on their plate. Right yeah, now. yeah. So what I'm hoping at some point in the next four years, they come through on that. Yeah. It, but early on, I don't want to sound like a champion for the Democratic Party or this particular administration. Oh, oh yeah, me neither. <laughs> like, me neither. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I, I want to give credit where it's due either way, but I'm, I hate politics generally, and I despise the war on drugs. Exactly. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about the war on drugs. It's not about whether you're Republican or Democrat. It's, it's where you stand on the war on drugs is what we're trying to fight. We're trying to end the war on drugs. And I think, and I want also, uh, one of the things I want to talk about was this is not just a pro-drugs, let's all get fucked up and ha have a huge party. It's, all, it's, also, it's how do you handle addiction and other things. And I think the war on drugs has made it worse for addicts and worse for other things. I think we all ultimately want the same thing is a healthier society. Sure. And I think the war on drugs has created... I mean, look what's happening in Mexico. 
Next week, I'm doing a podcast with my sister who majored in Latin American studies, and we're going to talk about what's going on down there. But the, the war on drugs has devastated a whole country. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's, it's insane. I mean, and then the, our inner cities are the same thing that's happening on there. We have a smaller, it's happening on a smaller level here, but it's happening. People are dying, getting shot every day, gang violence. It's all drug distribu- uh, distribution networks. And how do you shut those down? Well, you legalize and you regulate. Right. That's one aspect. They, then the other aspect is adulterated product. Oh, of which course. is huge right now. Uh, fentanyl is finding its way into everything somehow. And it's killing people. Someone gets yeah. a bag of Coke. and they Not just them. opiates, yeah. Like you say, cocaine. Xanax. I've heard there was Xanax bars that looked just like the prescriptions, but were actually pure fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And um, it, yeah, that's it's deadly. And, and you know, I have friends that are addicted to the fentanyl because they, it started with a regular opiate addiction and then it turned into, well, I can get fentanyl for cheap and now they're on this stuff that's 100 times stronger than heroin. And... Um, I don't talk to the, most of these people anymore because they're, it's messed them up really bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's another thing. If you Before the war on drugs started, there were addicts. There always have been people that find themselves addicted to various substances. And there was a, and it, it didn't destroy your life. Before Harry Anslinger, you went to the doctor. You have a heroin problem. The doctor prescribes heroin. You, <laughs> keep, you do your heroin. You go to work. You support your family. And maybe your doctor tries to help you get off of it, figure out what's going on. Or maybe you just do heroin. But once it got pushed to the streets, well, the price goes up a thousand percent on the streets, so you can't afford it. Now you're doing other things to make money to afford your habit. The pro- the product's purity and everything else goes down. Right now, the deadliness of that product, if it's heroin, could could be a lethal dose of fentanyl. So now you have a risk of dying. So the idea of you're going to support your family and live a healthy life as an addict is just not possible. And even getting help right now, you go to a methadone clinic. You can't go. To, you're not going to a doctor who's going to sit down and work with you and figure out things. You're just going to a methadone clinic, be here by nine or we're shutting the door and you can go score on the streets. Mm. And that's kind of the method right now. So, Yeah, I was just, before I came over here, interestingly enough, I just happened to see, there was a suggested video on YouTube. It was uh, William S. Burroughs talking about heroin addiction. And one of his main points was that it's really not, it's minimally injurious to health, your health to be an addict, as, yeah. as a heroin addict. Is it's uh it's, it's everything else around it and the stigma around it and the, like the lengths you have to go to, to to score a product. But he went to England to get off, finally. Yeah. And um. And he he described that very system where you could just go to the National Health and and get a prescription and these people whether they were lawyers, bankers, what have you, could go on with their lives. Yep. And be functional addicts. Some countries do have functional addiction. Um, but you're right. It's right now, it's like a mat. So we have a lot of alcoholism here because I, in most co- countries where it's legal and it's, but it's not. It doesn't destroy your life, right? Because it's accepted. It's well. No, I mean, no, no. I'm sorry. It does destroy people's lives. Sure. Yes, a hundred percent alcohol. And I actually think alcohol is not the best drug to be doing. Um, right. It's not a great drug. It doesn't really give you a lot of positive things. But it is fun, and if you do responsibility responsibly, but there's people that are addicted to it are accepted they're not losing their job most most of the people you know they're going to they're going to their bars after work they're getting their fix they know the product they know where it's coming from what it is there's consistency there's consistency that it's not overpriced because the, the pricing is competitive so it's not destroying their life with the exception of the you know a lot of the people that I've known that have been destroyed by alcohol it starts with legal trouble you get a DUI something like that yeah. and then that starts spin, you know starts rolling into something where now now you you know you don't have a way to work you're even more depressed you're drinking even more and the, your second DUI, now you're looking at jail time, now you're drinking even more. Maybe you're, I know a girl that killed herself because of that. Like suicidal? Like, yeah, she had, absolutely. She was she was alcoholic. Um, she had, I think she had her, just had her third DUI. She was going to go to jail. And uh, another, I guess, uh, 
contributing factor was she just gotten or was had not been taking her Prozac. And mm-hmm. that's a whole other issue if you want to talk about drugs. Oh, yeah. And, and the legal ones being really some of the worst. That whole class of SSRIs. Yeah, I'm act- I'm anti those drugs, but um, there's a lot to talk well. They about. have their their place, but but the the uh, the amount that they actually affect or positively affect people have been um, the, the numbers have been jacked up by the by the pharmaceutical industry. I just read this book called um, Lost Connections by Johan Hari, and he was on for 15 years was on SRIs, and he finally did a bunch of research and did a whole book about the true causes of depression, and most of it's just are not being connected with one another. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I heard a, a, the uh, he was on Sam Harris's podcast yeah. talked to, talking about that, and I agreed with everything he said about that. It's absolutely, I think, at the heart of every addiction, really. Yeah. And like you said, you can if you use SRIs to get to a place better in your life. It's not they're not. He didn't say 100 percent don't take them, but he said they're overprescribed and they're we, we use them as a crutch far too much. There's other things in your life that you have to fix to be happy. You can't just sure. take a pill and not and and not be sad because the medicine. But that's right. our culture, particularly in America. We want somebody to just give us a pill to make it all better real easy, real quickly. Like, yeah, we don't want to do the work. Exactly. Like, uh, was uh, Doug Stanhope had a bit about Adderall. It's like, I, I can't focus at work for some reason. I can't focus when I'm filing all, you know, eight hours a day doing filing. Like, of course you can't focus. That's boring as shit. Mm-hmm. Take an Adderall. I love my job now. One thing after another. Very like, efficient. Yeah. So efficient. Suddenly. So yeah, as we talk about the evils of or potential evils of alcohol. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna do yeah. some uh, scotch. I mean, uh, sorry, Irish whiskey. Yeah, it's not scotch. I mean, yeah. I thought I thought we were gonna go to the Highlands today, but I'm I'm all good with uh, Irish whiskey for sure. Ah right, yeah, pour pour yourself some. This is an attractive bottle. That's why I got it. I was duped. The marketing team was. <laughs> I shouldn't say duped yet. I haven't tried it. Oh, I might yeah. love it. Thank you. All right, cheers. This yeah, is podcast number one. The Maiden Voyage. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's smooth. <clears throat> That's I'm partial smooth. to the Irish whiskey yeah. I found in, in recent months in particular. It's a little sweet. That does have a sweet finish. Mm-hmm. We won't mention who they are because they're not sponsoring us. There you go. Just, we're, just we're, look for a, a little uh, hexagonal bottle with a skull on it. Yep, that's all we'll say about it. A skull at the top. There's hat. more we could say about this this cup, there, right? Yeah, that's a coffee mug that my wife bought for me. It's um, it was random. She, I think it was a Christmas. She was getting a bunch of small gifts, and that one it's a coffee mug with is that Cubensis mushrooms? Well, they could certainly pass for them. So, I don't see any bruising on them. But, yeah. uh, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be <laughs> psilocybin mushrooms with cats, uh-huh. like as a Siamese cat, not the Cheshire cat. No, no, no just regular house cats. Yeah. But she's like your two favorite things, <laughs> mushrooms and cats. I love cats. Um, uh, your two favorite things. Well, I used to. I, I don't know. I'm a dog person. Me uh, too. But I uh, but I also love our uh, cats and dogs both. Yeah. How can you not love critters? Period. Critters. There you go. I love critters. You have you have birds. Yeah, they are. Uh, they have their own challenges, but they uh, they're also interesting to have around i think they're cool like for you i i'm, I'm not I've yeah never cool had for those. you no no what i mean is like when i go over there they're not hanging out with me if they were i'd be like awesome but they're just hanging they out will with you. if you come if over often be, enough yeah exactly you get used to one in particular he'll definitely be on your shoulder in a minute yeah every time my brother comes over he's like he's on them instantly see if, if i if i got to know him that well i'd be different about birds i'd be like this is awesome but it's like they don't ever want to hang out with me because i don't know him enough so yeah get to know him 
I will. So anyway, I want I want to talk about another thing. I want to talk about psychedelics. Sure. But I'm gonna start in a, in a weird uh, weird doorway into the conversation with this book that you gave me. Uh. I just started it, but I'm I'm about I don't know uh, sixty pages in. It's Truman Capote. Uh, Capote. Capote. Yeah. Okay. I'm, see, I'd never heard of him, but I looked him up on Wikipedia. I was like, how I've never read this guy. He's prolific, and this book is written amazing. Yeah. It's, it's in cold blood. And what's cool about it too is it's a true crime, but it's it's written as a novel, and I've never read a book that that way. It's usually just written as factual, but he's adding in conversation and things like a movie would if it right. was based on something. Where you, he's making assumptions. Yes, exactly. But it's great, and uh, and they just all got murdered brutally. So it's great. <laughs> But um, and I'm not uh, giving anything away because uh, it's kind of that's the whole point of the book. But um, but anyway, there was it's this. It's not exactly new. No, it's it, there's the also presses. yeah. If you haven't if you haven't read it, then and but I'm one of them. But it's it's well worth a read, even if you've seen the movie. Uh, yes, I didn't even know Capote. it was a movie until I read the Wikipedia page. I was like, that'll be next. But I yes. like this one little this little short line he said about the Bible Belt. He said, hundred miles west, and one would be out of the Bible Belt, that gospel haunted strip of American territory in which a man must. If only for business reasons, take his religion with the straightest of faces. And I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I love that the gospel, that gospel haunted strip of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is, and it's crazy because like, and I, I kind of glad I grew up there because I understand religion. Like when I listen to Bill Maher talk to religious people and kind of talk down on them, I'm like, I get his side. I get what he's what he's saying because he's talked to this one uh, senator. And he's like, well, do you believe in the devil? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, then aren't you kind of full of shit too? And it's like, ah, eh, you can't. Because I understand my whole family is very religious and mm-hmm. they, and um and they're also very intelligent and mostly free thinking, other than, well I shouldn't say most of my family. My sister, my sister is free thinking on, on most things except for religion and it's like this one st- structure of thought she has that will it's just very strong. You know, from a child it was beat in there. There's no breaking that. Mm-hmm. But I can understand how people have this um you know they they compartmentalize religion and then science they can they can have conflicting ideas somehow it's weird to me i don't quite understand that but i i when i anyway so what we get back to the book so they were talking about this area where where it went down where the uh the father didn't drink none of the family drank they were all very religious so you have this weird um dry area where i think that the most alcohol could have is like three percent like the way it is in like utah today and um, so drugs are just not a part of their culture. It's sobriety, not even caffeine for the old man. And um, and church, and that was kind of their whole life. And for well, them, yeah, church is a drug and, for and a it, lot of people. It, and for them, that's that's their, so that's their drug. It's mass consumption of either Catholicism, or they were Methodists, I believe. Um, but it, Baptists it, are pretty fiery. But that, that I grew up Baptist. Um, my mom spoke in tongues a few times. Um, not when I was with her, but she told me about it. I was like, Mom, don't don't do that. <laughs> But that's that's kind of like when you're high when like when I'm you know there's there's, a, there's definitely something that's happening. It's not complete fake. I mean it, it, they're not speaking any language. It's just gibberish. But but they're getting off on it. Like you know it's, yeah it's, whatever that is. It's, it's a exciting. phenomenon that happens in under different circumstances. It is. I mean too. I went to a black church when I was a kid, and um, my best friend and his family took me there. His father was a preacher, and um, I'd never seen anything like it. I mean these people we touched on the forehead and start convulsing and shaking and yeah. and dance it was just wild but it was almost like they're feeling the they're feeling it more than any church I'd ever been to and it wasn't it wasn't just like putting on a show they were feeling something I think that's what a lot of people crave from religion is a real tactile experience like it's it's otherwise it's just too much theory they want something that they, well, to work through them and that's and this so this book right here that I've talked about um the key, the immortality key he's getting big into this the, the foundation of Christianity he's talking about it was based on the, the so you know uh, Dionysus's 
the wine god. Dionysus. Yeah. Uh, Dio or Dio. Dionysus. Um, so, so he, Listen to any Rush album. Not any one. Uh, yeah. Hemispheres? <laughs> Old Rush. Go ahead. So, um, so he, uh, the, the, the foundation, or so Dionysus was born from a virgin mother. Mm-hmm. And um, it was depicted with a kind of crown of thorns, but it was more the uh, the the vine, the vine from the uh, grapevine because he was the wine god. He uh, and his first trick was brought to a party. This is about fifteen hundred years before Christ. It was written in a play, a Greek, old Greek play, and it was uh, part of these Eleusis mysteries. So it was this ancient religion, and um, he was brought to this party where they ran out of wine. And his first trick as a half god, because he was, uh, I guess, I think Zeus was his father, and his mother was immortal. She was a virgin, but Zeus is a father. It's the Jesus story. Yeah. And his first trick was he turned water into wine. And they said the reason John would have wrote that for Jesus in the Bible was to speak to his Greek people. Hey, this is the same stuff that that you've been doing. And and what was the wine Shout and the out to my Greek peeps? It was, and it was like saying, hey. The, the Eucharist is uh, the same thing Dionysus is doing, which their theory is not just wine. They're not drinking wine eating crackers. They're drinking a spiked wine, which is probably spiked with uh, ergot or some sort of mm. psychedelic potion that they'd figured out. And they think ergot because some, some people wouldn't survive it. And then ergot's poisonous. It's a, LSD is a derivative of ergot, mm. but if it's not dri- uh, done right, it can be poisonous. So they said when they made the wine, you could get sick, but you would have these mystical experiences. And so the idea was that the original Christian church, when Jesus and his disciples were going around, was probably this underground, you know, shamanistic kind of... Cult. Cult. It was definitely a cult. And it was... But so the Christianity was probably based on that. So it probably was a pretty profound... And also for it to take over the way it did everybody's minds throughout the Roman Empire on the underground level and then become such a big religion. Could it just be wine and crackers and a gospel that's being passed around? That's it. It seems probably something a little more potent. And... It's the idea that Christianity, now the largest religion of all, could have started as just a, a shamanistic cult. It's pretty awesome, actually. But it helped that they co-opted so many other traditions. Well, well no, and that's the Christianity, well, the Catholic Church became Catholic great Church. at that. Of being like, yeah. oh, you can keep this and this and this, and we'll just call it this and this and this. And, yeah. and all, like, well, all, for instance, all the patron saints were just re-adapting yeah. your... And all the feast days. Cause they, yeah, because they weren't... Um, uh, monolithic religion or you know the old religions were poly, poly what is it theistic polytheistic so in order to keep that kind of tradition well you can have these saints that represent these different gods or the god of the sea and comes saint it. nicholas and yeah and then the whole pantheon yep so um but no so i want i, I kind of lost the track it doesn't even matter though but i was just uh what i was thinking about with these these weird societies that we still have today where people are just sober my co- i went to my cousin's wedding and it was a dry wedding but my family drinks and he drinks, but his wife he was marrying was super religious and her whole family was, so no alcohol. Baptist? Um, I don't even know. But that Teetotalers nonetheless. Yeah, and it was just weird, but those people were also very strange. When I went up to give her a hug, she's married my cousin, she like stiff. Went solid stiff, like, oh, touching me. I'm like, oh, sorry. Just, hey, all right. So it's some weird else going on there, but I always had this thought of, if you could just blast these people with psychedelics, you know, you could open their mind. And, and you hear people... Something to loosen them up. Something. Socially. So you, you hear people say... One I drink. <laughs> a single drink. Yeah, just, just keep it at that. <laughs> but I hear this a lot um, in podcasts where people are talking about psychedelics. Like I think Duncan Trussell's brought it up where like if we could just go to the Middle East and these places where all this fighting's happened and just carpet bomb them with LSD. And, no. and it's a fun thought. But, That's a, yeah. but my problem is, is, is if you think about LSD can be a very dangerous thing sure. also. It has to be under the right... You, if, you, if you like, for instance, you want to uh, do mushrooms to quit smoking at one of these colleges, they're doing things like this. It's all prep, pre- they prepare you, they talk about you, and you have an intention set before you go into your trip. If somebody just blasted a cigarette smoker with a trip they weren't expecting, they wouldn't just quit smoking the next day. And they might you know, yeah. end up with other drug problems because they don't know what the hell just happened to them. 
So I think it's it's almost like we have this. Uh, some people get on these evangelical kind of style rantings about yeah. about psychedelics, which it's I a, love. But it's, it's a beautiful dream, but it's 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 not a reality. It's not anything anybody uh, would ethically ever attempt. Right. Yeah. Because we all know that set and setting are crucial to the whole experience, no matter what type of psychedelic you're talking about, and you can't just surprise somebody with it. Yeah. It's uh. <laughs> not, not cool. No. Not cool, man. No, yeah. Make sure people know what they're doing. Or yeah. Well, honestly, even someone who's experienced. Yeah. Well, like, everybody they, thinks they would recognize it. Like it's coming on. Like, oh shit, I'm tripping all of a sudden. Like, I want. I'm not ready to trip right now. Yeah. Well, honestly, every time I go into a trip, it's usually as it starts kicking in. I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done this. And then I get over that little wall, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did this. Yeah. But um. I mean, when I was young, I see I started doing psychedelics when I was young, and um, I remember my first acid trip was in high school. Which I never, I didn't know what acid was. Um, I smoked pot. So you said, "You gotta try acid." I was like, "Well, we smoked weed before school." So I was like, "I'll take it before class." They're so like, "All right." And one guy's like, "I'll do it with you." He'd done it, but he obviously was an idiot. We all were at fifteen or fourteen, whatever we were. Must have been fifteen. And I ate a sugar cube, and I just remember first period, telling the girl in front of me, I was like, "I knew she had done it before." I was like, "I took acid." She's like, "And today?" And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "In school?" I'm like, "For breakfast?" What is wrong? She's like, "I would never do that at school." And that was like right when it kicked in. Was when she said, "I would never do that at school." I was like, "Oh." Yeah. And everything started getting real weird. And That's I'll, not the way you want to come on. No, but I almost lost it. But luckily, my buddy was in my class, and he was like, "Dude, you're fine. You're fine." I'm like, "I'm not fine. I'm not okay, man." I'm, he's like, "You're fine." He taught me. He kept me talking, talking me down. So he's like, "Put put put your head down on the desk. Tell me you're not feeling good." And I put my head down and just these crazy visions, and it was actually kind of cool. And um, and I ended up, even though I was kind of having a shitty time the first half of the day, I started realizing I was coming down. And then geometry class, I'll never forget. That's when I. I locked in and was just like all this. Yeah, they had all these geometric shapes on the ceiling that would like swing. They all just started like spinning and stuff. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced. So even though it started as a bad trip, it ended as an amazing experience. So I kept on seeking out that. But I've had, that wasn't the last bad trip I had. But the, every bad trip I've had has ended amazing, like with a positive thing. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just they've started with some extreme anxiety as I was breaking my Yeah, I would down. think so. Somebody told me that just as I was coming on, like, I would never do that in school. That's <laughs> well, like getting at the top of a roll, the hill, the first hill of a roller coaster. It's like, the bar's not locked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so should we spark a number? Go ahead. I might not, might not hit it. I hit a few earlier and also, uh, I don't know. I might hit it. This is uh, ice cereal milk. It's called cereal milk. Yeah, so it should be sweet. There should be a lighter over there. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, I gotta hit it. At least taste it. You have an ashtray in here too. I do not. Um, you can ash on top of the bomb. Is that all ash? Mostly. Are you talking about yeah, the top? Yeah, the top. I'll do that. Water. I change that In water. In the water. So. Yeah. yeah. A good bongmeister changes his water regularly. Yeah, I remember when we were kids, we did not. It was all about... That's so sick. And then you <laughs> spill it. Or or you, you, you get drunk and you dare somebody to drink it. I've actually been oh, on the receiving end of that before. No. Wow. We were... Uh, we smoked way too much pot as a kid. I'll say that. I, I love... I love pot, but I think when you're 15, you don't need to be smoking like that, like developing minds. And I, I we, we would smoke because it was back, you know, gangster rap was big, and we were just like, what was it, Dr. Dre Chronic 2001? Were you doing blunts? Blunts, yeah. Oh, jeez. I know. 
But that's what we were doing. Do you still like blunts? What? Do you still like blunts? No, not at all. Yeah. If I if I get a cigar, I'm gonna smoke a cigar. Yeah. What's the origin of the blunt? Do you suppose? I imagine. I, I honestly don't know. I would think it would have came from like the Snoop Dogg and Dr. J, but it probably came from. They probably got it from somewhere. Yeah, but why? Why? Especially if it's good weed. Was it Mark? Did the Philly Blunt Company market that? Because if if they did, that's genius. They might have marketed yeah. it in a rap song. I don't know. Like, hey, we'll, well pay you this money to. I mean, obviously, it came somewhere from the ghetto, right? Yeah. I mean, I but, think so. That's the culture that, that it came from. Where but I live. is it be, is it was it to disguise the smell of the weed, or was it because the weed was shitty anyway, and it had it's better to taste like something decent, and then you could use large quantities of it because it was cheap, like ditch weed. I heard different things I growing was, up. I heard that the, the, the tobacco and the wrapper uh, helped the high out too. Mm, um, I get that. I mean, some people, but I, I just don't think smoking leaf is the way to go. <sighs> that you're not supposed to inhale cigars no you're not exactly so it's, yeah it's, it's stupid but honestly when i grew up i never was the one with like i'm gonna go buy a blunt it was always somebody was rolling a blunt and i would take part but for me it was always rolling a joint because honestly i think yeah. it came from i listened to rock and roll growing up i listened to zeppelin and all these different you know just growing up with rock and smoking joints and hitting the bong was that kind of thing but my buddies that listened to rap they were rolling blunts and i would hang out with them yeah. too so it was kind of a you know, yeah. gastonia was a mix of but that always ruins the flavor well, the you, flavor of the weed we got then, uh, yeah, you, you, it was that shit that came in a brick that, you know, just yeah, was, <laughs> seeds and shit you picked out of. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, and once we started going up to the mountains in Asheville, then then our whole thing, there was no blunts being smoked because, you know, you're getting good weed. The stuff that you... Yeah, once you make a trip to California, see, I know. Northern California. Oh, yeah. Oh, Humboldt County. Yeah, well, my, I don't know. I've not, I've not been out there, but Colorado is my favorite weed I've had. Um which is, it, I imagine it's got to have changed from then now, right? Colorado being the first to legalize, they're probably, well, they're probably in strong competition with California. The thing is, it's everywhere now. It's like, but as far as good outdoor crop, I mean, oh. people that have been at it for years are in Colorado and, and Northern California. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, great indoor operations going on all over the country. You know, it's yeah. LED lights of... Now, I don't know what's going on in Florida, but I, somebody told me that, um, actually, it was, I went to get my carry permit, and our, uh, our instructor was talking about marijuana because you could mm. tell he was very strong right wing and was he's like if you get your uh if you get your marijuana card or if you have your marijuana card you'll be denied your license yeah and mine was expired and i was about to go get it and he's like i said well mine's expired he's like well then you're okay so like, you gotta ask yourself you want to be high you want to you know protect your family i'm like can i do both like what's the <laughs> <laughs> but um well but no he's he said that the I, uh, go he, ahead he, he was saying that the uh that in florida that there was only like four licenses to grow and morgan and morgan owned three of them Something like oh, something, does he? something like that, and if that's true, I don't want to say that's true, but if it is, it makes sense because all the I mean, they put a lot of money yes. into getting those laws passed. I definitely think he had something at stake there. And, oh, I'm sure that they're making money. I don't know if it's that ridiculous that if it's there's four licenses and they own three, but it could be. I I, I should have researched that, but I just I'm not interested in having either of those cards. I got the the the, the um, carry permit card. I don't know why. Actually, I just wanted to get a handgun, and I thought I should take the class. Somebody told me to, so I did. It never hurts to have. Training. But also, if I want to travel with it, with a if I have a pistol, because I can travel legally without that license with my shotgun. With lo- it can be loaded in my front. You can seat. travel legally with your pistol unloaded. Unloaded, yeah, but you can have it loaded if you have that thing. I mean, granted, I'm not, I'm not, the, I've never been like, well, what happens if someone attacks me? I've never been attacked. I've never, never been in a situation where I needed one yet. Yeah, well, actually, I take that once living in Gastonia when my roommate was selling weed. We got robbed at gunpoint, and I had an AKA put to my head, and um. That's the whole story, but yeah. all I'll say is that uh, I was talking to a gun guy. He's like, "Well, you should have had a gun." I was like, "Well, here's what happened: is I didn't have any money. I had like five bucks. They took that. They were there to get drugs. The drug guy wasn't there. There was no drugs. He uh, he kind of hit me in the head. A little bit of blood. 
he broke a window or smashed a mirror, and then they left. Now, had I had a gun, either I would have killed one of them, or I would have shot and got killed myself. Mm-hmm. Either situation's worse than losing $5 in a mirror. Right. So having a gun there and using it would have been worse. So, and I'm not still, I'm not saying I'm anti-guns. I think gun safety. But if you're living in a house selling drugs, that's the only way that something like that happens. I was living in a house with somebody selling drugs and somebody came to rob him for selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Again, if drugs, when that doesn't happen in Colorado at the store like the way it does. I mean, I'm not saying That people, did happen back in the day in California. Well, people rob fucking hold yeah, up liquor like, stores like, and stuff. Exactly. So you're going to get that. They have to have security. But it's not like I, I have a tip that this guy's selling lots of weed and you know, go in that house with a shotgun and mm-hmm. they're not going to call the cops because they're doing something illegal and all right. this other thing. So it's a lot more dangerous when you're in a legal drug game versus once it's regulated, then you can call the cops, you can have the right security. There's, it's, just, it's not the same thing. But I don't know. I don't want to really have a point about the guns because I do. I am a gun owner now, but um, I'm not like a, a gun advocate or and I also don't hate them either. I'm just kind of like, if you have them, be responsible. I think yeah. we should have a little more mental health testing for certain weapons and stuff. But uh, this podcast is not about the gun. I don't want to get. I don't want. I don't want to alienate somebody who's like he's talking shit about guns or vice versa. This guy owns guns. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle on that issue myself. I have I have guns, but I I'm not a big cheerleader for them, and I think we have too many of them in this country. Generally, it's kind of ridiculous when you have more guns than people. But but I'm glad we have them. Generally, I mean, I think people go overboard with them, just like so many other things. But yeah, yeah, it's a good thing we have them. Well, definitely with the, the idea that we have, there's so many guns in this country, you can't take all of them. So you just, you need to find a safe way for people to have them. But uh, it's the same, kind of the same thing with drugs though, right? Like if you have, if like the, I, the war on drugs is to stop people from using, but you're never going to stop people from wanting to use. People are wanting to experience different consciousness. Yeah. And an and, unrealistic goal. Yeah. So if, if that is your goal, then the only way to get that to happen the really only there's only two ways you can get it one is give people such a great life that they have no desire for anything else you know like all of a sudden the government's hiring a job that pays five hundred thousand dollars a year and you get ferraris you just can't do cocaine they can't afford that that's stupid and ridiculous so the other way is what some of these other countries are doing like and um uh, and i don't want to speak about these countries i might get it wrong but like thailand i've heard about some of these places where it's so if you get caught with drugs uh, Dubai is one for sure. So in Dubai, if you get caught with drugs there, it's a big fucking deal. You're going to like prison. Singapore too, I believe. I, so that's what I'm thinking of. So yeah, so you can we can go that route. We can make it even worse. Like all right, we're gonna start cutting people's heads off for cocaine possession. Oh, the Philippines too. Okay, so it's like, do we want to go there, or do we want to still say that we're the land of the free? And how about if we are the land of the free, then we let a, a if you're a, a sovereign adult, then you can make the own decision to do drugs if you choose to, and we find a way to where people can do it. Um, sit more safely we have better addiction treatment um and and also like it's, it and people are also confused decriminalization is a good one to talk about i've talked to people about um what happened in oregon where they, they've decriminalized drugs and people are like oh that's crazy they're, they're so fucked it's like <laughs> do you understand what decriminalization is because for right. one that's not even as far as i think it should go but what all it's saying is that if you're an addict or just somebody who wants to use you're not going to go to jail or have a charge just for a personal possession and that's like if I'm a, if I want to do cocaine on a Friday night, that might not be the healthiest choice of things to do, um, but I shouldn't go to jail for my mm-hmm. choice to do it. Now if I'm selling it, that's a whole other. Right, issue. trafficking is still still illegal. You can't go buy it anywhere. It's illegal to sell, but you can't get in trouble for possessing it. And that's the first step in helping people with addiction. Are you familiar with the uh, Rat Palace? No. So that you know, you've probably heard the the study forever that they did with rats. Where they keep hitting the cocaine bar. Cocaine bar till they're dead, right? Yeah. The water or cocaine, they would just choose cocaine till they were dead. So this um, a newer study that was done, another Joe Hanhari book, Chasing the Scream, which is amazing about the war on drugs. 
Um, he ta- there, there was a scientist that saw a problem with that, with the rat cocaine or water. He's like, well, the, the rat's only choices are cocaine or water. So he created the rat palace with all these little tubes and things he could play with and other rats he could fuck and um, like other options. And none of the rats were choosing cocaine. They were just leaving the cocaine alone and having fun. They're not just hitting it and going back up to the, the fuck palace. <laughs> there, there might have been a few rats, like a few dirt bags. Let's like, party, do a couple like, lines. Y'all, y'all missing out over here. <laughs> so the real degenerates. And, and there were, actually. It was just a whole, the percentage was extremely smaller. Yeah. But so the idea is that we've recreated the first rat experiment in real life with the prison system. We're like, oh, you're an addict? Why don't we lock you away for a while, strip you of any chance of getting a good job, and then see if you can get off cocaine. Good luck. Like what we need to have is uh, not like what decriminalize, get people don't don't give them records, and if anything, I think it's like a hundred dollar fine, and maybe then make you make go see a counselor. That'd be great though. Like, are you doing all right? And if you're like, yeah, I was just doing cocaine on a Friday night, you know, it's a party. I don't do it often. All right, good. Or if you're like, yeah, my life's fucked up. All right, well, let's talk about it. Figure out what's going on right. with you. Because any addict at some point realizes, and they want to stop. Yeah. No matter what substance it is, like there's a point where you reach like, man, this isn't working. Exactly, and and no nobody wants to have that shitty life. And, you know, I, like I say, I've known addicts and their life's not, there's nothing glamorous about it. There's nothing fun about it. Every day is waking up, figuring out where you're going to get it. Are you going to be okay? And then once you get it, how can you make money for your next or whatever you got to pay for? Money comes second though. First is, unless you need it to get this shit. Mm. But, um, sure. so just a, it's a really vicious cycle. But, um, I'm going to sip this whiskey again. Speaking of. Yeah, it's nice and warm, isn't it? Toasty. It is. Nice bouquet. Caramel overtones. <laughs> it is. Fuck. I, I like it. I think it's really good. I'm glad. I was worried that I got sold. I sold a really kick-ass bottle. Well, yeah, you can make a candle out of that now. Yeah, yeah, I will. Especially since it was on the first podcast. So it was yeah, and then good. you should you should put a new color, a new layer for every show. For every burn season. It. Take or every season, day, yeah. But yeah, of course. I guess I'm gonna do seasons. I didn't think about that, but yeah, it makes well, sense. How long is the season gonna be? How, I don't know. What do you think? Maybe like ten episodes, twenty. I suppose ten's about right. If I do four a month, though, that would be eight, ten. Would be like two and a half months. That's probably that's a season. And but yeah. I, I don't know. One of my one of my favorite musicians, uh, Rob Fetters, from Cincinnati, has been doing streaming shows on YouTube since the pandemic started, and uh, he's in season three already. So. Season three, episode six, I think was the last well, one. Well, wait, I'm sorry, which show? It's called Fetters is Cheap. I'm it's, not sure. It's I don't Rob know. Fetters, uh, one of my favorites from Cincinnati. It was in a band called The Raisins, uh, The Bears with Adrian Ballou as well, and another band called Psychodots. I've never turned you on to this. No. Oh, you got to be kidding me. All right, well. All right, that, that's what we're going after this. We're going to play, gonna play some on. Fetters. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. And Keneally, too. Have I told you about Mike Keneally? No. Oh, jeez. Oh. I've been remiss. You should definitely... Uh... Well, we should, we get, you know, let's talk about music for a second, because that's what we really both have in common in Fort Myers. We're living in Fort Myers, mm-hmm. uh, Florida, and we, we're both musicians. We play around town. I know you took you took in a break for a little while, but you're... <laughs> I just I had my first gig back Saturday. How'd it go? It, I get sore fingertips. Oh, yeah, you gotta... I realize even when I go on vacation for a week, play a few times during that week, and... It just, I've just I've done everything else but play guitar for months. It really. feels good to put it down sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and, and just I had a different shift of perspective, you know, and yeah, a necessity in some way. I mean, it was, it was a, kind of a nice break, and I kind of got used to thinking of myself as 
something other than a gigging musician. Is well, and it does weird. suck being a gigging musician in Fort Myers because it's because and honestly, what, what, what our competition are people that play you play the hits, right? You, you're, these yeah. are people that are playing. You go to one bar, you see a band. You go to another bar, you see the same exact band. And another bar, you see the same. Mostly now, it's acoustic single musicians, but. Yeah, that's when did that start? That trend went to solo performers. It was. It happened. Started happening right when I got here because I, I was trying to do the band thing and it just wasn't happening. So mm-hmm. I kept going, getting pushed into the solo. But Bobby was full time band, and now he's doing pretty much what I'm doing. And most of them are. I know COVID hurt even hurt it even more. It happened before COVID, but COVID made it even worse because me and Meg at least had some gigs together. Um, I was like, my wife, she plays music also. And um, well, we had some gigs together. They're not. They weren't paying for it. And then I think they all kind of came to their senses. They, I, COVID made them realize when they started opening back up, we can. Some places were like pay less. That those pay those uh, the pay has come back up. But they're like, we don't need to pay two people to entertain mm. these people. They're not paying attention anyway. Just have, as long as somebody. I mean, some of the musicians around here are not musicians at all. They're just people that realize they can make a buck if they have karaoke tracks and can have a mediocre voice to sing along to it. And yeah. I've seen that more times than like it's just ridiculous. Like this person's making the same paycheck I'm making and they're just singing along to a they're like a, a mediocre car- a mm-hmm. karaoke bar and somebody that can kind of sing. That's their whole gig is that one person hogging the karaoke mic. <laughs> right. That's how a lot of people look at it. It's what like, it is. Like, they, they, they want to say, where's the sign-up sheet? <laughs> I would. If I was drunk and I walked in, oh, are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. No, this is my gig. What? What is that? That's exactly why I wasn't really missing gigging for a while because the ones that I did in the last few months prior to that, uh, well, yeah, August was the last month that I actually did any work uh, down on the beach, and I I was barely near anybody. Like yeah. they were all spread out. Like it's hardly anybody knew I was there. So like, what's the point? Yeah, that's how I felt about it. So I I wasn't really missing that. Well, I'll say this. I've seen you play a few times. Um, we, we, you know, whenever we had time, we would come and see you because one of the things about you playing is that you play. You would not. You were not the guy. If you went to one bar and you saw a musician, you're like, oh, next bar, same musician. But if you caught you, you'd be like, oh, here's somebody who's not doing the same thing. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people are like, oh, let's go back to the other guy because he's playing the songs we know. But, yeah, if you if you come to my gig and you ask for Jimmy Buffett, you, you you're probably gonna turn tail and head out. Which door. is fine, right? Because then you're gonna get the person who doesn't want to hear Jimmy Buffett, no. and that's the person I'd rather entertain. I'm not playing Jimmy Buffett. Every other person is just go listen to them. I don't like. And also, why do you want to listen to Jimmy Buffett at the beach if you're living? Right. Like, how about that's your to tra- remind you of your vacation at the beach? Yeah, when you're living in your trailer <laughs> in North Carolina, Minnesota. Wherever, yeah, wherever you're from. Then you listen, put on Jimmy Buffett and drink a pina colada. But when you get to the beach, don't listen to Jimmy Buffett and drink something that's actually good. I don't know. That's, that's no, I don't know. I haven't really hung out down there. My mine was uh, my gig was on Sanibel the other night, but I, I haven't been back to really hang out down the beach in months. I'm not a beach fan anymore. And you know, growing yeah. up, I, I was always like beach or mountains. I was always like beach is better. Now that I'm older, I'm like mountains are way better. The tourists, the people that go to mountains are better. If you're going to deal with tourists, mountain tourists to me are, I mean, in North Carolina at least. Well, it's just that this particular beach is, the That's scene true. has changed so much in 20 years. It's, That's true, Fort Myers. Because I love St. Pete, but I'm the beach, I don't know about. I'm just the, the city of St. Pete. Um, I don't know, the beach crowds are just, these people that come down and it's like all about them and granted I, I can't hate on them right they're they're the reason I have work right but also you know they get what you know two weeks a year that they have vacation and then they have their shitty lives or they might not be that shitty I'm not hating on that much but they're just having these same redundant things to go through then they get this two weeks they come down here why not live like a king and be like it's your world it's like but some of us have to live here you know so you know, we're, you know. but that whole thing has gotten so corporate 
Yeah. Like all my favorite places were the mom and pop places. You know? Yeah, they're getting pushed out. Now Margaritaville's coming, so it's going to be just yeah, about the central. That, that pushes me out. <laughs> I'm done. That's funny because when I moved here, I, I started living down the beach. Oh, yeah. And like there were a lot of places I worked that I could have walked to. But I mean, it got progressively worse as time went on. Hurricane Charlie took out a couple places and uh, just, you know, corporate interests started buying things up and it's just changed the face of things so much. Yeah. And it's, it's a place where I don't feel like it's a small community anymore. It's Yeah, that's, I, you know, that's one thing I love about Key West and there, there's probably a lot of corporate things there that are hidden, but they keep the old feel there. They're not allowed to take down those buildings and yeah. it just has this feel of like a, of a little town and it's, I just love it down there. But um, Oh, there's plenty of other areas of Florida there still remain some, uh, uh, some yeah. sort of old charm. I'll say this, you know, downtown Fort Myers could be cool. If it's like the the people that it's just Fort Myers people, but but the the the, the streets are cool, the brick streets. Yeah, they did a really nice job of working that over. It was nice when I moved here, but my ex wife was telling me that they um, you know, that it used to be you didn't even go down there, but she's like they fixed it up. I don't know. She's from here. Yeah. She was. She was like. That's a whole nother. Yeah. Can of worms. The town town scene because like I haven't I haven't worked down there either. For no, I don't play down there, but that's because the gigs are late. That like I don't want to play ten till two in the morning. But it, drunk it would make more sense for me because it's right over the bridge. It's like five minutes away. <laughs> it's a five to ten minute drive top. That's true, and there's there's some places that have earlier music too. I've seen them out there playing. I, I don't know. I just don't. I'm not into the. Like, it's like a different group of people there. It's um yeah Fort Myers is weird. I, I, what one thing I'll say. Let's, uh, so there's also um like. There's a slight music scene that started happening, and this was before COVID. And it was in Cape Coral, of all places. But I saw these young bands. The original scene. Yeah, and it was. You down the right at Rackham's and. The, yeah, and some of those yeah. bars. I saw this. Uh, Where you you won't get paid, but you get you get to play. Yeah, no, and I wasn't going there to look for gigs. I was going there to see see some yeah. decent bands. Yeah. And Emerald Vision, this young band, they were they were pretty cool. They were like a very uh, prog rock kind of rush style band with this really really quiet kind of like to himself singer with these gla- big glasses and long blonde hair, and he would real quiet. But then we get up and play. He would just light up and just like. He was awesome. It's called Emerald Vision, and then um, but their drummer played for Electric Mud. You might have heard of them. I've heard of them a little yeah. bigger, but they actually toured. So I think the drum they would they wouldn't be able to play shows because the drummer would have to leave to go play with Electric Mud. And they're all right. I like Electric Mud. They're they're kind of like almost like a little bit of clutch. Um, and then um, there's the band the Kimberleys. They were kind of they were all right. I would like to see more of a a thriving original scene here. I know, because I remember like uh, Bobby, one of our friends is a musician, he posted on something on Facebook, like, you know, I hear all these things about music scenes, like New Orleans and Nashville and all these other places, like, but nobody talks about Fort Myers. But I'm like, I think you're confused, man. You're, 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 you're thinking your cover gigs count as a part of a scene. They don't. Like, you're just playing covers, man. That's not a scene. Go to, a, go to New Orleans and see a real music scene. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's amazing to go to one of those cities. Come here and you see somebody playing Sublime, and then somebody else is playing Jimmy Buffett, and then this that's that's not a scene. Yeah. So the scene here is Cape Coral, and it's a and a it, sh- it is mentioned. It's in the top twenty scenes. Yes. A scene is a place where people go primarily to see the music. Yes. Not to eat dinner and then have something as background. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we are when we go out and play. We're you know background musicians. For some people, um, yeah. but it, it's fun. it is fun when you have a good crowd and enjoying that when you do something different and they know it. Like, if I'm playing like Yoshimi, a Flaming Lips, and someone's like, "You played Yoshimi," oh, you know, it's like, oh, nobody ever even knows what that is. The other day, I had a guy request a Ween song. 
I was like, Ween? I was like, I know one Ween song. Bananas and Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> I played what Diener was talking about. And he was like an older dude. And he goes, not older, probably like just a few, maybe 10 years older than me. And, he, and he's just like, he's like, man, that reminds me of back when I was in, high, in college, man. We listened to that, you know, the sun came up, you know, all night on, you know, on, you know. And he's like, winking. I'm like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's why I learned <laughs> the song. But it's just like cool. And uh, I don't know. It's playing music in Fort Myers. I'm um, switch this over to time, see how long we've been doing. 45 minutes. So what else are we going to talk about, drug-wise? Well, Since um, we're in a, the main focus. We, yeah, we kind of hopped all over the place. Um, mm. I do, like, so I want to do different uh, podcasts where I actually want to, like, focus on, I'm, I'm going to have, like, a special edition podcast. I'm going to do, like, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Just because I have a lot of friends who are musicians. So in order to bring them in, talk, in a way to talk about music, but while keeping it topical is, like, how drugs have influenced music, and I think um, there's this weird thing that happens with, um, like, you know, if if you believe, uh, if you're a conservative, the way I, I was raised, my parents are like, oh, music influences you to do violence and all these things, and then yeah. if you're a liberal, you're like, Movies that's complete too. horseshit. They didn't talk about they didn't talk about books as much once media kind of evolved to the more popular things being yeah. video games and films and whatnot and and rap music eventually it was rock before that and the devil's influence and I think it's kind of the chicken and the egg when it comes to those kind of things right like because if you have gangster rap it's like well the gangster started first and influenced the rap but then the rap <laughs> influenced more people and wanted like the allure of being gangster you started seeing white Don't gangsters hate the player, hate the game. yeah white gangsters who didn't grow up in the ghetto or acting all gangsters mm-hmm. like why are you acting like that I mean you like you lived in, I had a friend like that Mal- Malibu's Most Wanted that movie it was written, like I swear it was written about my buddy mm. one of my best friends he, he grew up in a white suburban nice house nice family and he's just gangster as shit wanted to prove himself ended up selling cocaine and um, he was and actually funny since a funny story because he went to prison but uh, he was selling cocaine and he came to one of our, my band shows in Charlotte actually he's in Concord North Carolina right outside of Charlotte and he was uh, and he was break dancing and doing all this gangster stuff and he was telling people at the bar yo I got that white and he's like I don't know what was wrong with him something was just screws loose well one of the people was an undercover cop <laughs> so they pulled him over they wait, they followed him and they waited till he got on the interstate because that's now it's a different trafficking charge. And he, they, he, you know, you'd think he had a few bags of blow he was trying to get rid of. He brought like a whole half ounce of Coke. Like, how much were you expecting to sell at our show? You sold none, I'm guessing, because nobody's, you know. It's just, anyway, so he, uh, and he had a bunch of Valium. So he, he ended up with a serious drug charge. He did, I think he did six months in prison. But it's, after that, he, he wasn't gangster anymore. It's like. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, it's like, oh, that life is not me. I'm not like, and, I, and actually he got out. I was a wake up call. Yep, and now it's actually it's awesome kind of story because he ended up selling, uh, he ended up opening up a head shop, and now he owns two different shops in the North Carolina mountains. And I went to his shop like loaded with bombs and everything. Like he's, he's doing well. It's like he loves selling drugs. Just sell the ones that are legal. Don't don't get into the market that's going to land you in prison. And also, he probably couldn't get a job doing anything else. So open your own business. And now he's doing well. Has a family. So it's so at least right. there's a happy ending to this. There story. you go. Actually, I'm going to be calling him to be on the podcast. Nice. I want him to tell the story because it was crazy. Just everything he went through. I mean, I'm, but um, I, we were talking about other things to talk about, and I was just thinking the different po- podcasts I want to do. Um, the uh, yeah, so rock and roll, how it's influenced music. Um, I, you know, see, I have some things written down here. It's a cool thing about editing. I can <laughs> clip right out of it. Sure. Um, that one. Um, Oh, another one I want to do is the because uh, we were supposed to go skydiving last week, and that was going to be done that. 
Oh, I've done it. Yeah. Okay. It's awesome. It's it's amazing. To me, it's like the like this is why I, I'm going to tie it to the podcast. I think it's like the equivalent of doing a DMT blast off, but without drugs. It's like a whole. It's not the same at all. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you're on a drug experience, but it's just like a black. Like you're just. It's a whole new experience. And um, so I wanted to do an episode called "Getting High on Your Own Supply," and it's you know the, the endogenous chemicals that we can get high on, and that's that's you don't need. You know, you can go go jump out of an airplane. You're gonna have an experience that feels like a rush that you've never had. I mean, it's. It's pretty interesting. Have you done I, it? I, yeah, I just did it for the first time a couple of years ago, and I, I don't. I had a friend that uh, took me, and she was hoping that I would get hooked the way she is. Yeah. Because she has her own rig, her own shoot, and everything, and she she's got probably by now two hundred jumps under her belt. That's a lot. My buddy just did it. He because he same thing. He got addicted. I thought I was. And after I did, it, I was like, I have to do it by myself. After yeah. two days, I was like, eh. Yeah, it's like. I, 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 I always wanted to free fall and, and I had to do it at least once. And once I got it, the first one out of the way, it's like I was very calm too on the way up. It was weird. I was too. Um, the instructor, the guy that I was strapped to, was like kind of, had his eyes closed like he was meditating or just taking a cat nap. And I kind of had the same vibe for whatever reason. I was very relaxed. And like I started getting more excited once the door opened. But I wasn't freaked out or anything. I wasn't either. Yeah, it was weird because I, I don't even like flying that much. I'm just not yeah. it. And I'm afraid of heights. That's part of the reason why I needed to do it. Like, yeah. I, if, I, whenever I watch somebody on a ledge, like the film, oh. yeah. my palms get all sweaty, my feet get all sweaty, like all my extremities just sweat. Yeah. Like I, I get nervous. Like it's, I, I get nervous for people too, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Or if you stand on the top of a tall building on a balcony in the wind, Oh yeah, even if there's a bit nice solid rail and I'm looking over it, it gives me yeah. like a weird chill. I feel it throughout my body. It's like, but yeah, when I jumped out of the plane, he's like, he's like, all right, go, and I'm like, go. He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, and I just, and I didn't even, I wasn't even that scared. I just did it. What do you mean go? You you did go by yourself. No, no, he was attached to me, but I right, was, I was, was sitting different. on the wing, like under the wing, and he was right behind me. He's like, all right, go, and I was holding on. And then I I jumped out. All right, because the the way we did it, we went, we rolled out backwards. Oh shit! Like oh, I, he pulled you and then dropped himself. Yeah, I, I put my, you know, like, cross my arms, put my head back over his shoulder, and we rolled out backwards. So, also, you know, I have a so video. we're looking at the plane just getting smaller. Oh, yeah. No, see, see, we bought Meg's video, and she they, she jumped out the same way, so I can show you. It shows exactly. She She's holding on, looking down, and the guy's behind her and just jumps out, and he just he's just right behind you the whole time. Of course, she wouldn't let go the whole, the whole fall. He's, like, slapping her to open up her arms. <laughs> exactly. As soon as I jumped, I'm like, yeah! Like arms out, I was like, "This is what Superman felt like." It just like, it's noisy too, right? Real noisy. Yeah, it's crazy. But my, so my buddy went, and he wanted to do it by himself. And I'm gonna have him on to tell the story. And uh, he's uh, he, he, so basically, you jump out without anybody, but there's two guys that jump with you, and they keep a hand on you. And they recommend you go to the wind tunnel, the indoor skydiving first, to get used mm-hmm. to you know how to control it by yourself. But you don't have to. So he didn't. And he he jumps out of the plane, and all of a sudden he got in a spin. He started spinning and he thought he was gonna die. And like the guy, the guy grabbed him, stopped him from spinning, but he wasn't completely done spinning when the guy pulled a chute. So he's like, I was worried that it was gonna, because it can twist. Be, yeah. yeah. He said it didn't, he landed fine, but he's like, it took him about an hour to cool down because he really thought he was gonna die. He's like, don't ever do that without the wind tunnel. I was like, I'm not doing it was at all. Was that his first jump? No, it was his first, he had done tandem. Okay, it was his first only jump. one? Um, I think he done twice. 
but right. still. And, but no ground school before. No, they did ground school. Yeah, they did ground but school. But he didn't know how to control his direction. Just they would tell you about it, but he, but they did recommend you do the wind tunnel first. He's like, yeah. but they didn't say you had to. He's like, you should have to. Like you should have to. Right, because you have practical experience. Yeah, because he's like, there's literally no without... way to be prepared for that. Once it started happening, he's like, I just didn't know what the fuck it was like. The whole world was spinning. There's nothing I could do to stop it. And the guy, yeah, people him. panic. I would. I, I was like, I'm, I don't even have a desire really to do that. I mean, I kind of would be cool, but it's like, I'm not, just all the money and the time it would take to get there, it's like, yeah. You know, it's, if you really got a death wish <laughs> or, or a taste for adventure, there's the squirrel suit. Oh, I do not have that desire, oh. but I respect the shit out of those guys. Every one of them has, that has built the equipment and, and brought the sport forward has died doing it. Like that guy with the first famous video where he barely missed the rock and that song was playing. You know what I'm talking about? The first one I saw with that video, there was that song. Ah, shit, I wish I remember the name of the band because everybody, that song became big because of this video. It was the first Squirrel Suit video that went viral. I think it was the first one because it was the, it was like, I was like, what is this shit? It was insane, but that guy, I'm pretty sure he died. Yeah, it looks like a little jet. It's flying insane. by. It's, it's, it, that's as close as you can get to Actually flying. flying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have no desire to do that. I guess they are. I mean, I can't. I do, but not. I don't have a death wish yet. That's true. <laughs> if I make it to 70 years old. Well. No, well. No, you want to be able to function to try to have some fun with it. And well, just I was just thinking. I, would, no, I was just thinking that, like, that'll be how I go out. Like, I won't expect to learn <laughs> how to do it right or anything. Just jump oh, off no. and fly as much as you can before you crash into the side. <laughs> no, you want to make the most of it. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to. Get do in that, that wind tunnel first. Um, well, yeah. If I no, I, I would get into my own skydiving. My actually, my tattoo artist just got his license, which was cool because I just got that to commemorate our skydiving. And he was he has his own license now, and he's um. I've known a lot of people that got into it, way into it. Well, this was to commemorate our. We did it on our wedding, so this is more for like. Oh, our, did you? Our wedding. It's got rose in it, and it's got the um the plane, but it's to, it's to commemorate our. Cause I got made. She wasn't supposed to do it. My buddy was, but my buddy actually that I was just talking about that just got went. You know, had that experience uh, by himself. He was supposed to go with me, but he wouldn't wake up. We we drank till two in the morning in Key West, and it was at like eight in the morning. I got up. Raver, we gotta make the flat skydive. He's like, Yeah, man, you're gonna have to go without me. I'm sleeping. I'm like, like Meg, you're up. She's like, All right, fuck it, I'll do it. She's glad she did. It was it was neither one of us had any complaints. It was and we did it, you know, in Key West, so it was just fucking beautiful. Well, I bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I would do it again, but I just didn't feel like I wanted to do it again right away. Like I, I felt like, all right, finally got that out of the way. I've been curious forever about that. Yeah, and, and, and it was fun. But I want to do it again, but um, but I'm like you. I was like, I did it. I don't feel like I have to do it again. But she bought for my birthday. She bought me another one. So we were mm-hmm. supposed to go, but the uh, the visibility wasn't good. So we're going in a few more weeks. So I'm gonna do it again. I'm kind of nervous again. I'm like, oh. even when we were driving there before, we didn't know the visibility of that until we got there. So I was like, I right, about to do this. I'm trying to psych myself up. But the same thing was in Key West, psyching myself up. But once I got there, the guys were cool, and I was like, ah, oh, this is fine. Yeah, I don't know how I'll anticipate it, having done it already once. If I go and do it again, it's it, like the first time I was very calm and relaxed on the way up in the plane, and uh, it was a little Cessna 172. They only had the only seat was the pilot seat, and yep, that, was that was kind ours. of rickety. Yep. We were all sitting in the back, the four <laughs> yeah. of us. Yeah, and my dad had a one eighty two. He was a pilot. He died in a plane, oh, actually, sure. like almost twenty years ago now. But so I was thinking, in addition to always having wanted to try this, like there's got to be worse ways to die, right? You know, if this is how I go out, 
That that was one of the things that made me calm too. It was like if you go out skydiving, that's awesome. It's probably not going to be that cool, so don't think it's going to happen today. It just the thing that I worry about is everything short of death. <laughs> that's that's what I oh, worry about. Right? You didn't die. You, know, you bounced <laughs> and lost your legs, and you and you can't use your spine at all. You yeah. Know? So you still got a functional mouth, but that's about it. Yep, you're just in there. You just, just enough to say, "Kill me, please." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that that is the worst part. You're right. Death is fine as long as it's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. There's a certain finality that I can make peace with. Yeah. Rather than the alternative, certainly. You know, and you know, I think about death a lot. I think I think most people do. I probably don't talk about it out loud very much, but you have to think about it, right? I mean, well, that's probably where religion comes in. Death is your life coach. If you're very religious then you probably don't have to think it very much because you put your faith, you put those fears into that. I don't have that. So for me, I think about it. I do smoke DMT occasionally, and I think that death is probably going to feel like the ultimate DMT blast off. It's going to be like this, or some other thing. That might be it, though. It might blast off into becoming a part of everything else, and then you, it definitely is you as, as an individual, I don't think it's to persist. Why would it? This is a temporary, uh, actually, you know, Bill Hicks, in that bit, that's what he, he said, today a young man on acid, Realized all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration. Mm-hmm. We are all of one consciousness, experiencing itself subjectively. There's no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather. That sounds like a perfect quote, actually. It, it, it sounds, <laughs> that's, I love that quote. That when, it's when, great when, one, yeah. yeah. I was, when I heard that, I was probably young. I was like, this guy's a genius. I was like, yeah. I love this. And um, actually, where I, I, weird how I found out about Bill Hicks was actually from Tool, because their, their album, third, uh, Anima... Yeah. He, he's on the end. Um, yep. Actually, that is that bit that I just said is on that song. That's third eye. Today, young man on acid. Yeah, they have it hidden in the music. It starts with. There's, um, there's a Timothy Leary bit in the live version on Salah. Yeah, I heard that. Question authority. Think for yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good That's one. That's the too. same. Yep. The same song. Put yourself in a relaxed state of vulnerability. Yeah. That's a good one too. Good, great quotes. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of the quote that. Uh, um, I had a good time. What does he say? Oh, if you don't think drugs have done a good thing for us, do me a favor. Go home, take all your tapes, all your CDs, and burn them. Because the musicians made all that great music that's enhanced your life shit out. Real fucking high. And then the new song starts. But yeah, that's Bill Hicks. Because Bill Hicks died that year, I believe. And that, that was a kind of... Oh, was that? It was, an ode, it? it was an ode to Bill Hicks because they okay. were friends. At least that's what I read somewhere. I don't want to get that one wrong, but... I, I would it would make sense. I heard even like, well, they were both. Uh, I'm sure he was doing comedy clubs in L.A. and Maynard was coming up at the same time with uh, Tool. Yeah, that was ninety something. Ninety four, I think, or ninety six, maybe ninety six. Whenever uh, yeah. Anima came out, uh, he might have died ninety four. So they might have been working on recording it. I know it was a a long process of recording that album because I think that's when the new bass player came like halfway through the recording sessions or something. Mm, yeah, so, something Justin. Like that. Yeah. That's yeah. an interesting band, psychedelic. Oh, that's so one other topic I was thinking fun to talk about. Just just an idea. I don't think I'm going to do this because it would be too annoying to the listeners who didn't want to go on the journey. But I was thinking, what would a psychedelic podcast, we're talking about music like tools, psychedelic music, what would a psychedelic podcast be like? Like, what if if you're following our conversation and all of a sudden, we, you know, you started adding like effects, <laughs> like all of a sudden things, the voice started changing, you know. Oh, that would be like uh, Longmont Potion Castle. What's that? <laughs> ah, got some more stuff to, to go. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's a bunch of prank calls. Oh yeah, the guy uh, from the nineteen eighties onward released several uh, albums on vinyl, even of prank phone calls that he did. This guy is legendary. I 
uh, before there was the Jerky Boys and yeah and all that and Crank Yankers and whatever. Um, he's a, a cult hero. You know, like uh, he he made several prank calls to Alex Trebek, who was a really great sport about it. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Piven, Piven, um Who else? There were a few celebrities that he got, and uh, but it's absolutely hilarious. Like we, he'd often call and, and he'd pretend to be a neighbor complaining about the noise, or. Um, and what was it called again? LPC Longmont Potion Castle, which Longmont is a place in Colorado. So apparently he was based in Colorado for a while and then moved to LA. But and he just he, he manipulated his voice. There was a point where he got a delay unit and just started fucking with oh, yeah. so it. Was like, <laughs> and people were like, "What's going on? We got a really bad connection." It's like, and he'd, there's a certain inflection in his voice and certain words he'd say that, that always strike me funny. Like, you got to give me what I need. <laughs> you just give me what I need. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I definitely recommend Longmont Potion Castle. I think I went through the whole catalog on YouTube. It's All fucking right. hilarious. There's oh. one about um, Otis Elevator. Otis Elevator. Look, look that one up. It's right. t- talking about uh, looking at security footage in an Otis Elevator and accusing a guy of hooting and hollering and <laughs> the guy gets really upset. It's it's absolutely hilarious. The way he just works people up yeah. into a lather and he stays very calm the whole time and whether he's pretending to be from a company like Radio Shack, he fucked with the Radio Shack employees a lot oh, yeah. too. <laughs> I, I'll definitely have to check this out because yeah. I remember laughing as a kid to the Darky Boys. And oh, stuff like this that. is so, so much better. Yeah. But well, yeah. it's all funny. I, I used to do that shit as a kid myself. Yeah. I did a lot of prank oh, phone we calls. Did when you could get uh, away with it. Oh, you know, yeah. Before there Star was six, caller seven, ID. Well, we did Star 6-7 and then you go. Cool. Uh, yeah, we had, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, but no, the... Uh, what, what so about the psychedelic podcast? I was like, well, you know, what if all of a sudden, and it was like, say it would be annoying, but maybe we could have like a special version of the podcast where like every once in a while I'd be like, here's an edition of, of a podcast that you can listen to regular or the psychedelic filter where I go and edit where it goes, you know, like it becomes a trip or something. I probably, I'm not going to do this because it sounds like, um, what's gimmicky, but. Yeah. And I, I, honestly, I've never had, really had that sort of experience, that, that sort of simulated psychedelic experience that people try to get across in film and sound effects. I don't know. With me, like when I listen to like Spongle, like EDM, certain things, some of those songs take me into that place. Sure, in music. So music, yes. In music. So yeah, but, yeah we, but so the only example I could think of with me in stand-up comedy and somebody who's done it is Reggie Watts. Have you ever listened to Reggie? Yes. And his hit where he's all of a sudden he's changing characters and talking about something different. It's almost psychedelic, like a trip. But he does it masterfully. Yeah, he's amazing. And he's actually probably one of my favorites and most original comics. I mean, maybe ever. Is he just a comic? No, he's not. He's an amazing musician. <laughs> and is he just a musician? No, he's he's, he's like just, a philosopher. He's, he's, he's just Reggie Watts. He's amazing. I love him. Yeah. But uh, to me, that's the only psychedelic comedy I can think of. With the exception of, though, the idea that if you're shattering a paradigm, if you're going against the grain, you're, you're causing people's belief structures to kind of question themselves, then you're being psychedelic in that way. It's not like, it's trippy, man, but you think about like the Louis C.K.'s and Doug Stanhope's and, you know, even Bill Burr, some of the things that they say are against the grain, which I was actually thinking about this with Dave Chappelle. So what you have right now, right, is you have old belief structures that, because we're experiencing a, a paradigm shift within culture where you have the old school thought which uh, that, you know we view as uh, some of these anti-gay marriage and, and you know, all these old school kind of Protestant beliefs though that paradigm kind of got shattered by the you know the new the new youth doesn't really think that way but they've built a new paradigm that also is a belief structure and it's also 
to me, another version of religion in its own right. And it's um, and to me, it's also dangerous, right? This idea that if you if you don't agree with me, you're a you're a bigot. It's like eh. oh. That, so Dave Chappelle... In cancel culture. Cancel culture, exactly. And Dave Chappelle comes out and takes a sledgehammer to that belief structure. He's like, well, you guys are trying to you know, stop my freedom of speech. He's like, his, he was talking about comics that he knows. He's like, they, they come out and say something racist on stage. That's the right to say it. Now, do they believe it in real life? He's like, I know them. Yeah, fucking... Of course they do. Fuck them. He's like, but they have the right to say whatever they want to say because that's this it's country. It's better you know that that's where they stand. Exactly. And, the, and that's the thing is if you don't like somebody, you don't, you don't have to cancel them. You just don't have to support them. Yeah. Don't, don't go to their shows. Yeah, don't, you, you don't de-platform them. Not, they wouldn't have a platform if people didn't support it. All right. Well, I don't want to go here, but we're gonna, when you say de-platform, we have to touch on then Trump being kicked off Twitter. Are you, do you, okay, because I was going to go somewhere else with Chappelle, too, but that's fine. We can go back to Chappelle. We talk about comedy whenever. But okay, Donald getting kicked off Twitter. They don't owe him a platform or anybody else. Right. So... They're not saying that he can't have a, a presence online anywhere. That that would be in violation of his First Amendment rights. Of if anybody had that power to begin with, right? He he, he can go to any other forum and create his own if he wants. But the problem is that there's only a few forums that are big as they are. Well, that's why some Congress people want to break up all the big tech companies because they want to treat it like yeah. you know, like Ma Bell back Yeah, in. you know, I realize as we're getting into this conversation that it's, it's such a huge topic that for one, I know I don't even qualify to talk on with the, with all these, crazy, the, the, it's a whole different thing about with the, what's happened to social media, mm. laws about censorship and all these other things that could take us a whole another two hours to even, even get into. Like, I don't even know. And also, like I say, there's so much shit I don't understand about it. There's so many, it's, it's such a convoluted issue. But, um, the Donald Trump thing is just, it, it's, it, people are extremely pissed off if you're for Trump and then people who are hate Trump are like, good, get him off here. And then there's some people like me who question, it's like, well, I do think, he, I do think probably should have been uh, kicked off Twitter because what happened in the Capitol. I mean, when you're in, when you're saying election was stolen, that was, that you have no proof he of. He was acquitted already though. I know. But you know, <laughs> I'm wondering if it's not just, a, they're like, listen, we don't want to make a martyr of him. We don't want to put him in jail. We don't want anything because the more, you're going to give more credibility oh, with his follow up. No. It, that wouldn't have put him in jail necessarily, would it? No, no, but it might have made him eligible for jail. I don't, I don't no, know. No, I think the thing they were striving for was just to make him ineligible for electing. Re-election. Yeah, re-election. Oh, so. so actually the opposite of what I'm thinking of, they didn't want to make him more appealing in the next election. If it had worked, he wouldn't. it didn't matter if he's appealing, he wouldn't have been eligible. Yeah. Well, I don't know how that he got acquitted because to me, well, you know what? Listen, I don't want to get, I don't want to alienate my, if people are listening to this and, you, I, I don't know, it's such a weird thing to talk about. I don't want to say like, I get it. You like Trump. I don't get it, but um, I, I don't might, like any of them. I might edit some of this out. I don't want to. <laughs> I really don't want to get political on this thing. I don't want people to think. Well, you, to actually, you have to to some degree. If you're going to talk be, about policy, I'll, I'll, get, I'll talk about Reagan's policy and Nixon's policies, and I'm, you know, even Clinton's policies that weren't good. I'll talk about that, but um, but that's that's not a right and left issue. That's those presidents did this, and um, I, and I disagree completely with that. Now Reaganomics. Trickle down theory. I'm not going to get into that. It's not about this podcast. However, it, you know, if, if somebody, if one of my guests gets into it and they want to talk about it, that's cool. Talk about it. Like, like, um, all presidents are tools of industry, though. They are, and that's what we went back to the state, right? We with Biden, we're back to the establishment, and the establishment wanted to be in control. They're back in control. They uh, lost some control with Trump, but they also it was a weird. Trump was a weird thing, and I, I remember Dan Carlin um, when when Trump won. He said, he's like. I've been wanting somebody out, an outsider for my whole life. He's like, this is a dream come true, but unfortunately, 
it had to be this prick. Like, it's like, I, this is the last person I want in the He's shop. really an imposter. And then four years later, the same Dan Carlin also was like, this is the first time I voted for a major candidate, a major party candidate in 20 years. I'm voting for Biden. And, and he's an historian, but he's like, he's like, I don't, he didn't like that, but he's like, what's happening right now is extremely dangerous. The fact that he said, the only way I lose, that was the, the straw that wrote the camel hack for, for him, for Dan Carlin. He's like, the fact that he came out and said the only way we could lose it if it's rigged is uh, basically trying to incite civil war. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that never has he seen somebody, basically like a ship captain, so willing to steer the ship into the iceberg. Uh-huh. He's like, so I, I can't have that, like, I can't vote for that. And this is an historian who, who does the Hardcore History podcast. Yeah. Actually, he's not an historian, I'll tell you that, because he doesn't have... It's just a hobby. Yeah, but it's also because if you're, a, if, you're, if you're a historian, you have to have a doctorate in a specific area of history, and he doesn't have that. He's basically just a, okay. a radio voice, but but he studies all these things about history. He, he says the problem that people have, when people are loving Trump and loving some of the things that are happening, he's like, well, these are people that don't understand like what happened in Rome. He's like, I understand what happened in Rome, and I'm seeing it sort of happen again in different weird ways. Oh, that analogy he's made, made many times. Oh, yeah. And... and Anyway, we got off on a tangent about politics. Again, I, this is not a political podcast, but um, also, even though it's the piece on drugs and the focus is it's a topical to- podcast about drugs, we're going to get on some tangents, and that's fine. I'm, you know, of course. And also, like I say, sure. we're sitting here drinking um, uh, Irish Irish whiskey. Irish, some sex. Oh, I can't say it's, what, it's pretty sexy. All right, some sexy Irish whiskey, <laughs> and um, and um, so that's part of. So we're here. So we're uh, is it, um fueling our conversation so it kind of keeps it's it a social lubricant so no matter what we say. talk about it's still topical in a way because we're sitting here doing drugs which also let me bring that up for a second drugs and alcohol is a common expression yeah I hate that expression me too because it's not drugs and alcohol it's, it's just drugs, drugs and drugs drugs and drugs alcohol is a drug kills more people than any other drug uh, I don't know if tobacco is, is the second or first but it's right there with them but the other two yeah. anyway all the, all the biggest ones are legal yeah and the I, killers. And I think it's just because, um, well, you know what, though? They tried to outlaw it, and, guess, and they saw what happened. Prohibition didn't work. Yeah, we should learn that lesson. Yeah, so they, they didn't learn the lesson. They're like, oh, well, it didn't work with alcohol, but what if we try it with all these other drugs? And actually, that's what Harry Enslinger called Mexico, and he was outlawing drugs here. And it's like, you guys need to outlaw all your drugs. And Mexico, the head of whoever, told, said, no, because if we do that, we're going to have all the problems you've had doing that. They said, all right, well, then we're going to cut off your opiates to your hospitals. And Mexico said, all right, well, fuck that, because people were dying in pain. So they're like, well, we need opiates. So they outlawed them. Now look at them today. Yeah, the United States set drug policy across the world we did. for a long time. And that's starting to change. It started with Portugal, I suppose. In Switzerland. In Portugal, Switzerland? Okay. Is it Sweden or Switzerland? Sweden. I don't know. Switzerland. I'm not aware of either. Because uh, Portugal was... decriminalized the first to do that. Oh, and, Everything. And a South American country did that. Uh, that was more recent, I believe. Oh, did you know that Colombia never, le- never legal, never uh, criminalized to be cocaine, with? any of it, anything criminalized to be. Well, this is what Doctor Carl Hart said. Um, I want to read his book. Uh, yeah, too. his book's behind you. I was, oh, you got? Yeah, I was like, I was looking for it. Yeah. yeah. Drug use for grown-ups chasing liberty in the land of fear. Yeah, he's not a sponsor either, but I'll promote his shit because I yeah, absolutely I, he's an interesting dude, and he, he came out publicly and talked about recreationally doing heroin and cocaine, and he's a professor <laughs> at uh, at Columbia University. I'm wondering if that and actually my buddy I was talking to, he's like, oh, I read that article in New York Times. I'm like, so I guess after the podcast, New York Times did an article, or maybe just maybe not that podcast. He probably talks about it in other places, but 
How? Yeah, I'm excited that he's doing that. And like he said, and he's being open about it. That's his whole thing, right? Is people all very successful people all over the country do cocaine and do heroin and do some of these things. It's not all of them. It's, it's probably a smaller percentage, but there are successful people who aren't shit like shit bags that do these drugs. And he's like, the fact is that they keep quiet. So when you think of heroin or you think of cocaine, you think loser, keep it illegal. And he's trying to be like, hey, I'm a professor. I do all these things. I do heroin and I do cocaine. Right. And he decided to try those things only after doing studies, clinical studies on people where he was administering these substances to people and observing them. And realizing that, okay, well, maybe this isn't so extreme or horrible. Yeah. Maybe there's something there. He actually even said he got uh, he got addicted to the point of withdrawals just to make sure he could, or not make sure, but just to go through them. And he did. He's like, I got it. Did enough heroin to where I physically needed it. And he's like, and then I weaned myself off. He's yeah. Like, but I, I wonder how, if there's any difference to it. Uh, I listened to that podcast, too. and He, he snorted it. He's not, oh, yes, I would definitely say there's a difference with injecting. Also, I wouldn't recommend getting addicted to any of these substances if you don't have a supply like he apparently has. Because yeah. the shit you're going to get here, you don't want to even mess with that shit, honestly. And I and I say that as somebody who... I, I enjoy opiates, and Kratom's legal, and that's a, a actually opiate. Well, see, I don't even enjoy that. You don't? I, I, I guess oh. the uh, the only the last thing I really enjoyed in the opiate category was actual opium. Raw uh, I, opium. I, I haven't done that because I haven't... It's been, been 20 years. To me, and for me, it was... Probably 25 years when I was in high school, and I loved it. And it tasted like like flowery. And yeah. It really, smells like perfume. Oh, man. Tingly. Yeah. Happy. Happy. And then, like, 10 years after that, it was black tar heroin. I'm like, oh, it's probably like the opium. And then you're like, fucked up. It's like, that, like that's some crazy shit. But, um, no, I, but Kratom, I like Kratom. I, when, if you take, like, a good dose, like five mm. grams... I get that. I get that energy that I get from opiate, but I don't get the. I'm I'm messed up. It's just more like a. Like okay. me, I, I describe. I think it. five grams would be kind of heavy. Uh, that's the typical dose we're supposed to do. Five grams. Um, I usually do about three, just because I, I'm a lightweight when it comes to opiate. Yeah, because I understand in lower doses it gives you energy. In higher doses, it has more of that nodding kind of. It's never. Effect. It's never made me nod. Because well, opiates do. Yeah. I can't do, like, the strong opiates make me sick as shit. I can't even mess with yeah, them. Yeah, me too. I'm lucky, I guess, because no need to get, no need to not. But the the Kratom has the same side effects for me. Like, you, you can get the kind of itchy under your a, skin, and you can really get, get the nausea. Food. You can get nausea. I, got, I get nausea if I take too much. That's why I say I do three grams, because five yeah. can, can make me nauseous. I would think five would probably make me nauseous. But So apparently the Kratom, the difference is that those opioids in it, don't don't actually affect your receptors that are on your um, brainstem, which is why it can't kill you. The ones on your brainstem are which control your ner- you know control your breathing and everything. Right. Is why you can the medulla oblongata. There you go. So the, I don't, and I don't, yeah I don't know exactly how the receptors work with different systems in your body. Why they affect some and not others. I don't understand why they they affect so many other opiate receptors, but not those. I know, but that's why, why that's why it's not as addictive. Also, that's why it helps people get off the addiction because even though you're going to go through withdrawals if you switch to kratom. You're not going to go through a complete body withdrawal just on those certain receptors. So it's a way people to get off heroin, yeah. and it's a non-lethal, way less addicting. Addicting though, I'm going to say that. Like I, yeah. I've had withdrawals from kratom, really, and um, and I purposely make sure if I if I do it regularly, I I wean myself off and quit for a while just to do it because. Yeah. But it's it's and they say it's just like with coffee withdrawals. Well, I don't know because I've never been, had withdrawals from coffee. I drink a lot of coffee and I can quit without any problems. Same with alcohol, I can quit drinking and go weeks without it, and I have no withdrawals. But I have friends that almost died from alcohol withdrawal, so it's definitely serious. But I think the maybe their addiction was was worse. They drink in the morning. That's a, that's a a big thing. I think if you drink constantly yeah. all day, I, I've found in recent months, like I said, it's it's become easier 
to start earlier in the day or even before I've eaten. And it's like, that's when I start thinking, this isn't healthy. And that's a COVID thing? Like post-COVID? That this- yeah. It's, well, well, yeah. And like I said, it's some, for some reason, I think my metabolism has changed too because in my younger years, like alcohol used to really kind of pack more of a wallet for me. Like I yeah. guess my tolerance wasn't as good. And, but, but that means your liver's doing good then, if your tolerance is getting bigger. Cause is it? Yeah, if your liver starts uh-huh. to shut down, you'll start getting drunk real fast. Is that what happens? I'm saying that like a, like a, I know what I'm talking okay, about. Doctor. I've heard that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Don't listen to anything I'm saying. All I know is that I, I can my tolerance is way up and I I can handle it better as far as like I don't get as dehydrated anymore even like I mean maybe I'm more aware that I need to kind of balance a little bit with water and whatnot that's part of it but I can get hammered and pass out and just, I'll get up early in the morning like yeah. I can't sleep too long yeah because the alcohol yeah. I sleep like shit when I'm drunk yeah well yeah. I pass out fine but but, I'm, but. I, most of the time I'm none the worse for wear. Like I, but, I don't feel like you, know, I, you don't wake up and I don't have a though? hangover. I don't have headaches. I don't have. I, it used to really sap my energy. If yeah. I got fucked up the night before, I the whole next day I would just be worthless practically because like, I just would not have any energy. That's kind of me. If I get hammered, I I don't want to do shit the next day. I got. I mean, I make myself. I'm like go to the gym and then I feel alright. But I have to make myself. I, I used to just be like fuck the gym. I'm just gonna watch TV until I have to work. And then you know, problem with that is then you go to work and that's the, that's hell. So mm-hmm. go to the gym instead of watch TV. Then the work's alright. I still I'm not a big fan of uh, getting hammered and I don't feel good the next day. I'm not saying it's a good thing that I've I've changed <laughs> the, the, the whole thing, but I, I I have a different perspective on it now that I never imagined would happen like uh, I mean, alcoholism runs in my family on my dad's side for sure it runs in my family too but I have a, a question about that then so do you do you think it is genetic like that the alcoholism sure like anything else you have a genetic propensity for this or that but alcohol I, 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 I have a weird thing about that I feel like you might have a propensity to have addictions to just feeling like to certain things where you can be you know more uh, likely to be addicted to certain things, but for some, but alcohol itself, you think that drug is just in, in your genes that if you do that drug. Well, the funny thing is, I think anybody would tell you probably their first experience with it was not necessarily pleasant. At least their first experience of where they overindulged. Almost nobody's. I, I, I mean, my first experience with alcohol was was it was it was super fun for a short time. And then I hated it, and I couldn't drink it for a while. Like I didn't, the taste of it made me sick. When yeah. I'm talking, I was like, I think my first real getting drunk was like 15. I, I never forget. Um, I was at a, fa- I'm just gonna say a family member's house. I don't want to get anybody in trouble because I was 15 and they were older. But uh, they they were like, oh, come, you know, have some drinks with us. I was like, all right, cool. And so I did. I did like five beers. Mm. And I was hammered. And, yeah. Uh, I remember going to bed. At 14. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I went. I was like, what? Can they, so they put me in the room, and I was like, I have to throw up. And I went and ran to the bathroom, and I couldn't get the bathroom door open. And I finally got it open to throw up. And as soon as I opened the door, I just threw up. But it wasn't the bathroom. It was the coat closet. Oh. And I was like, oh. And um, my family member lovingly was like, just go back to bed. I'll clean this up. Like, Oh, how sweet. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and if you're listening to this, which you're probably not, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> That's solid. Yeah. That's love right there. Yeah, and was, you know that was the uh, that was the '90s, but yeah, it used to be different. Like I, I've talked about the the older friends um, I had when I was young. Not, nothing weird, just like drugs and alcohol. Like you want to smoke some pot? You're 15. Come on. Oh, you want me to buy you some beer? That was a little harder ask, but they'd do it if you really. Yeah. Just ding dong in. 
um, get in text. You know what's weird is I, I remember I stopped, <laughs> I stopped a podcast once because we just got a bling text. It won't be in there. So it's weird. It, well, the mic will pick it up barely, but you won't even hear it. But we hear it like a motherfucker because it's, yeah. it's coming from the actual, uh, you know, it's, give, it's giving it to us in the headphones the computer is. So the mic's not going to pick it up. Okay. But we that was loud. Loud and annoying. I know. I need Ding. to figure out how to turn that off. It's like, that's one thing I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be trying to find in this podcast is if anybody like listens to Rogan, he has Jamie. I, I need right, you a, need I, a young Jamie. I need a young Jamie. I need some because I'm not savvy with this. I'm just I paid a guy a hundred dollars to show me um, how to get my podcast intro onto this track and a few other questions I had. I, he came over. He was but also mostly about recording because you know I'm a musician, so I was like always like how do I do this? So he showed me some mastering stuff, but mainly I wanted to know how do I get this other recording I did for the podcast intro onto other recordings. And he's like, bloop, 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 bloop. I was like, wait, wait, let me do it. You got to show me because I can do it. And still it didn't work to where today, what he showed me didn't work, but I figured out a different way. And what he did, did like, it's a long story. I don't want to get into all that nonsense. But you figured out a workaround. I worked, I got it to do it. But now it's like, I got to call him back and be like, what the hell the hell is happening now? Well, I'm sure this will evolve over time and you'll figure out some other ways of doing things. Yeah, well, I'm going to switch recording programs is the next thing. I'm going to go to Logic, which is GarageBand, but the next step up. And um, I'm getting a new MacBook. No, the reason I need a new MacBook, this one's great, but it only has two uh, USB puts, uh, inputs. Well, so, I think some of the new ones don't have any. Sorry, no, that's three. No, the one, the new ones I looked up has five. Oh, really? And okay. and you can, because the thing is, I have like USB. I want because I want to do a video with but, it, but yeah. I just don't have the like. I'm, I'm just like just one thing at a time. Leave that yeah. alone. But I want to eventually have two cameras, figure out how to switch back as we talk, and do a YouTube channel. But that's, that's just Well, later. you need somebody to switch. Or... Or just a, you, Yeah. Or, or record both, and then edit it later. If you, yeah, that's right. That's actually how I would do it. Because I'm not going to do live. None of it's going to be live. Um, yeah. Rogan was better when it was live. Well, I, I can't say that. But I was thinking when he uh, was live? The, the, there's times you could tell it's edited now. And it's like, where's... Because it... it um, they quit doing it because somebody was posting clips before it was even finished. Oh, yeah. Just to get hits or whatever. Yeah, it's weird how all that works. Yeah, now he's on Spotify, which was weird because I was like, well, I don't want to go back to Spotify. I quit paying Spotify and I went to Apple. But then I was like, oh, you don't have to pay? You just can just listen to him on Spotify. So I do. If, yeah. it's, if it's like Dr. Carl Hart It's kind of glitchy, at least with Windows 10. I just is on my the app on my phone. Okay. And it's, I have any problem. I, I didn't put it on my phone. And what's cool about Spotify is they actually have the video with the podcast because I've never watched the videos on YouTube. I'm always just listening to it. But now, now Spotify the video is there. If you happen to look down, you're like, oh, there they are. It was always on YouTube. It was always on YouTube. But, but if you, I listen to it on Apple, right? So but if, if you, you yeah, you had one or the other. Didn't you find yourself going? Oh, now I want to see what they're talking about. Yeah, because they would be like, oh, sh- put that, pull that yeah, up, Jamie. Look I'm at like, this, Jamie. And I'm like, oh shit, now I got to find out where yeah. I was at in the podcast. But exactly. now Spotify. It's the videos there. Yeah. See, I always did it on YouTube, on on my computer. Yeah. And so like, and if I was just listening to it, cleaning the house or doing whatever chores around the house, I I would uh, they'd mention something and then they'd be reacting to some video or a picture they pulled up. I'd have to run it back and like, okay, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see it. You know, I was just talking about the how I why where the piece on drugs first. The first idea I had for it was I I I gotten into podcast I believe with um. Mark Maron first, somebody told me about it. I'd never heard of a podcast, so I got uh, WTF with Mark Maron. Then Bill Burr had one. I was like, all right, Bill Burr was my next one. And I would gotten to con- work in construction in North Carolina, and I was just music in my headphones. And then when I, I was like, let me check out a podcast or something, I put on Bill Burr, and I was like, this is way better for just, if you're going to do something, you know, monotonous. <laughs> His wife is great, too, with yeah. the two of them together. Yeah. 
Um, the uh, but you know, like I, if you're ever going around and uh, putting nail holes or not putting, but um, caulking nail holes and wiping throughout a whole house, then podcast boom. Oh yeah. So uh, so it was, it was Bill Burr and somebody t- I had listened to Rogan before, but for some reason I was like yeah. And then Bill, I ran out of the new Bill Burr. He's like, I was just on Rogan. I was like, let me check out him on Rogan. And then I was like, actually, that was kind of good. And then I went back, and it was just all comedians at first. And then randomly, it was Dr. Carl Hart. This is probably five years ago, four years ago. And I was like, it's something, and I can't remember what, whatever brought me to it, but it was something about drugs and stuff. I was like, who's this guy, a doctor talking about drugs? And I listened to it, and I was like, I've never heard. And like, this has changed. And I was, immediately, I came up with a piece on drugs. And hmm. didn't go anywhere with it, didn't go, do anything with it. And then recently, I was like, I want to do a podcast. And I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go with it. And um, we had this idea to do Infinite in All Directions. That was the first idea. Uh, my buddy Kevin kind of came up with it from the title of a book. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was a, a physicist. But it was the idea was we can go in any direction. We can talk about anything. And I kind of realized, that, well, that's any podcast can do that. So I wanted to be more topical because I'm really at, like, I, I, the main thing I, I've been focused on forever is the war on drugs. It's affected me. I've been arrested, I want to say, four times for marijuana in my life. And we call ourselves the land of the free. What do you love about America? The freedom. Well, what does yeah. that even mean? Because I've been arrested four times for having a plant, a small amount of a flower. I've been against my will, put behind bars. I've been denied jobs at many, many places because of a record from something that happened when I was 18, which was marijuana possession. What, what, is, what is that? That is fucking crazy. And the thing is, I, I've been privileged most of my life with just being, you know, having a good life. It hasn't affected me the way it's affected a lot of people who have been in the system to the point where I have friends I've grown up with. Half of the people I grew up with in high school are dead. And that's a sad fact, but that that's um, most of them drugs. Some of them are recently, I remember two years ago we were at the beach, they're like, oh, my sister pulls up the phone, oh, Drew just died. I'm like, fucking Drew? Like, what the, like, drug overdose. And it's just every year it's more of them. Um, you ever read Philip K. Dick? No. He's uh he did Total Recall was a short story turned into a movie but what else because uh, Scanner Darkly was awesome yeah that rings so bell. so Scanner Darkly at the very end of the book he he, he does like a, an epilogue or whatever and he's talking about um what what he based the book on was his friends he's like I've lost so many friends to drugs and he's just kind of a psychedelic sci-fi guy he's awesome but um he he just he and he did this analogy he's like we were just kids in the road playing ball having fun we didn't notice the car you know the cars that were running us over. It's like, weren't paying attention to that. We were just having fun. And that was his analogy with drug addiction and stuff. And it's like, that's growing up in Gastonia. And it wasn't just drugs. Like, there were suicides and uh, car accidents and things. But it was mostly drug-related uh, or, or depression-related. But there was no going to talk to an adult. I remember when I had problems and uh, when I was young, my parents took me to our preacher. That's who you talk to. And the preacher... Right, he's like, took the place of a counselor for a lot of people. Yeah, and it did for us. I remember he looked at me very angrily and was like do you have violence in you? And I was like, I don't think so. He's like, if you had a bat right now, would you hit me? And he's looking at me almost like he wanted to hit me. I'm like, uh, no. Like, who, like what? Like, why, why am I like talking? Like anyone else, I could be provoked, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird, but it's like, why is this the guy I'm talking to? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so the drug, the, the war on drugs has affected my life personally. And, and I feel like we're kind of coming, we're starting to witness the end of the war on drugs. And it's barely cracking the door on the end. But it's cracking. Yeah. Trump pardoned some, some nonviolent drug offenders. Yep. And, I mean, it's, you give credit where it's due. I don't care who, yeah. yeah. And, and he did that, and that's awesome. Uh, so that's the step in the right direction. Well, still a long way to go. Colorado. Still a lot be- of people that, some people, you know, languished in prison for decades. Yeah, there's not going to be a prop. There's probably not going to be anything they're going to give back. They're not going to. 
like, oh, sorry about your time here. Yeah, this. there's no uh, um, remuneration. Yeah. Uh, reparations for yeah, that. Not for that. And um, but I get that they're, that's why some states are trying to do these things where they're the communities that were hit the hardest, the African American communities are giving them uh, their businesses a chance to open a business first and things like that uh, for uh, marijuana distribution and things. I don't know if that's going to help anything. Yeah, I don't know. That's questionable. It is. Well, again, there's a, yeah, I don't get into all that, but the, um, the idea is that the, the laws are starting to change. Colorado legalized. Obama didn't do anything for legalization, and that's what that kind of bothered me. But he did allow the states to do that and said, we're not going to mess with this. Yeah, at least he didn't. There was a point where he didn't interfere, but initially they did. Initially they did. In, in fact, they came down a lot harder on dispensaries in California than oh, Bush they were the first Because California was the first to do it. Yeah. With, with medical. Not from 96. I forgot about that. And they were, yeah. And that's why, so Colorado kind of got the way, the, the way to do it because of California. Like yeah. Cal- I mean, but, California paved the way for what they well, were What I'm saying do. is the Obama administration was not necessarily kind to the legal industry that had existed since 1996. They mm-hmm. didn't provide protections I mean, there's a whole... I thought he federally did say we're going to leave... I guess that was after it was popular at some point. Well, there, at one point he did say that, yeah, they were going to... Wherever it had been decided by the voters of each state, they were going to leave... The federal federal government was going to leave them alone. But what I'm saying, his first four years in particular, I mean, you can... If we had a young Jamie, we could yeah. look, look this up. But they they actually came down harder on on dispensaries and and the fact that they and then and they, these businesses were not able uh, able to obtain loans or do banking with anyone. They had to deal in cash all the time, that was, which was, that was very the case for risky. A long time. Even when I first got my card here, I had to buy a cat. It was cash only. It might still be that way, but because federal banks aren't recognizing it, so it was cash only. Hmm. I don't know how that works now, but the, but huge banks came in and started handling that, so they may have figured out a way. But I remember I had my medical card for about a year, and that was about three years ago. But it was just cheaper to buy it from just people, get it from Colorado yeah. or wherever else. It's like, yeah, I'm not buying it from the dispensary, but they're going to charge me that. for. And actually, and then for, the, to have the card, it needs to be renewed, what, every nine months? Yeah, and it's 75, oh no, it's $125 every nine months at the doctor, and then 75 every year to the state. And you're, But now when I had mine, there was no but. It was all vape cartridges, so mm. I was very disappointed when I found that out. He's going, he's going through the, the brochure, and I'm like, "All right, cool, man. Where's the like, where's the green?" He's like, "Oh, that's that's not a thing." I'm like, "What did I just pay all this money for? What's happening?" Right. He's like, and and I got the vape stuff. I still have it, and actually, I enjoy it now. But I still like green. That's but just, it's still pricey, right? How much is a gram? Um, uh, for a gram cartridge in, I I, I want to say it's like a hundred bucks here, but I know in Colorado, so I get you on the. The same thing on the black market, same product for sixty bucks. No, that's what I'm saying. In Colorado, it's about it's about fifty or sixty bucks, and that's why my my buddy sends it from Colorado. I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna buy it from them then. So why why would you bother paying the licensing fees and all that? Because it's fun to go to a store. If you have all the choices you could possibly want, sure. I, I feel like they, I've heard they've gotten better. I don't know because I haven't had my card in a long time. But I'm done with Florida with that. I'm like, just legalize it. Enough's enough. This no. kindergarten country. Stop. Uh, let it. Tell me. I, let me just go buy weed from somebody. Yeah. The the way I've always felt about it is that the law is never going to change my relationship with the plant. No. Like it, it. You can make whatever laws you want about it. I'm going to have the same relationship with this plant. It's, you know what's going to the laws are going to change my relationship with the law enforcement. 
And, right. And that's, that's the cute, only thing that yeah, changes. Exactly. Your, if anything, your perspective needs to change. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, and that's what happened in Portugal. The first thing that happened when they decriminalized, the relationship between the poor communities and the law enforcement got better. Right. So what's happening in our country right now with all credibility. this? With all the Black Lives Matter movements. And I'm not saying that there's not racism, but I don't think that's the main problem. I think the look at these no-knock warrants and all these things. These oh. are products of the war on drugs yeah. and it's policy problems. Yeah, that whole uh, Breonna Taylor yeah, situation, that was not... I, I didn't see that as a, a, a racist thing. I thought that was, was a drug po- policy thing. A drug policy thing. The guy defending his home, not wrong. Cop with the warrant, not necessarily wrong. Yeah. The, I mean, I wouldn't have done that if I was a cop. I'd be like, let's not do this. But the point is, the law permitted it. Exactly. So the law is the real, the real criminal there. Yeah. So change the law. War on drug policy. And honestly, a lot of these cop shootings that happen in poor neighborhoods. Like I was living in Charlotte when um, I can't remember his name, Ugh. but uh, there was a shooting. Um, it was two thousand and. Fuck, I don't even, 2015, 2016, I think Trump was, uh, yeah, because Trump was going to come to Charlotte. They told him because he was campaigning. Is that with the tiki torches and all that, that whole showdown and when somebody got run over? Uh, there's been so, I hate to say like, I, I'm not keeping up with it, but I, I, there's so much to keep up with. I don't know that somebody got run over, but I do know there was all these marches downtown. But what happened was the cops showed up. For a warrant for somebody else, they smelled pot in a car. Somebody was smoking a blunt or something in his cars, and they asked him to get out. The guy wouldn't get out. They thought they saw a gun or something like that. And um, the guy the guy refused to get out, and then they shot him to death. But mm. my whole thing is, is why why are you messing with him for smelling pot? Well, because it is illegal, and that's a policy problem. Yeah, that, but they, still, that's not that doesn't mean that he's going to be a violent. No, but pay, uh, well, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He supposed oh, because he wasn't complying. Sure. It's, no, it's bullshit. He should not be dead. Period. But but there are steps you could take short of pulling a lethal weapon to. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was all messed up. But again, if it wasn't for the war on drugs, for I bet you the warrant they were serving in the first place wouldn't be happening. So you wouldn't even be there to begin with, let alone mess with this guy for smoking weed. The whole thing wouldn't happen. And the city was on shutdown. I was bartending downtown. We had to be uh, uh, like a mandatory. Um, what do they call it? Uh, curfew. Curfew, and um, the whole city shut down because because of this. Which again, that's not the tra- the tragedies. The dude was shot and murdered. Yeah. But um, for for what it was for smoking weed was this ultimate the, the thing you could say he had. But the, the the whole point is the whole war on drugs is is what's causing all these problems in the inner cities, and in Mexico too. All this build a wall. They're all criminals. Well, why, what's happening down there? Cartels. Let's work with the government. What if the Mexican... This is something I want to talk to my sister about when I got in here. But what, what if the Mexican government were to be like, all right, we're just going to legalize and regulate everything so that we can so that we can deal with... We can get the cartels out of business. And uh, what, but, Do you we, think they would shift their, their business model to, to go legit? I, well, the cartels? I think they would have... But they probably would have to. They already have the networks set up. They already have the growth thing set up. So just legalize their platforms and make it more competitive legally. No, it's, it's a messed uh, up... Well, yeah. Because they're murderous, yeah. crazy people. That's what I'm saying. Like, are, are, are they going to just... Are they going to find a way to go legit and shift their business well, model you, and not rely on violence so much? But you know they're already doing that in the weird opposite way with like avocados. Like they've taken over by force avocado markets that really? are illegal. Because they're profitable. Like, oh... The, the white people are buying avocados like never before. Let's go take over some of these markets. A lot of money in that. 
So it's kind of like the mozzarella for the Italian mob. <laughs> My, I heard rumors of that when I was growing up that they had like, like a lock on the whole mozzarella industry. Somehow. It probably is because once you have that much money and power, why not control legal markets too? What does it matter? Yeah, especially when they're almost their own form of government. There is actually a lot of those areas. They're as powerful as the government, and and a lot of the people, the, the police officers who are you know working for the government are also getting paid more by the cartels themselves. Yeah, so, definitely. So, but, but my biggest thing I want to talk to my sister about um, is what happens if Mexico says, fuck this war on drugs, we're done, and legalizes everything? What happens with the relationship with us? My sister's like, well, any funding they're getting will probably be cut. I'm like, well, they probably wouldn't need our funding if they legalized drugs. However, the, what, they wouldn't be able to stop the drugs because their biggest market is, is not themselves. It's, it's the U.S. We buy all the drugs that they're selling. That's just the fact. That most of the money We're comes, probably the biggest market. We know, the closest in the, in the whole world. That's, that, yeah. Yeah. And so if, if the government themselves started profiting off of that market, our government would have a problem. So the best thing that could happen is our government also legal, be like, we're just going to legalize across the board. And so you're talking out. about a free open market. Open market, all drugs are legal. Doesn't mean for anybody out there who's freaking out if I say that. By anybody out there, there's zero people right now. But hopefully we're going to have some people <laughs> soon. But you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be you go to Walgreens and buy, oh, you want heroin or cocaine tonight? No. If you wanted heroin, you'd have to go to a doctor, but it would be a doctor that prescribes heroin. Like, hey, what's going on with you? It's not a for-profit thing. You take know. your vitals and, and do, do a, it's a, a rudimentary physical. Yeah, yeah make <laughs> like, sure you're okay. Are you doing okay in your life? Are you What's wrong? You know, basic questions. Are you just want to do some heroin? Well, it's legal, so we're going to let you do it, but we're going to monitor how much you do. We're going to talk to you, you know, regularly reach out, make sure you're doing all right. And we're also going to try to talk to you about not doing heroin. I don't know. Right. But uh, that's heroin. Now, other drugs like cocaine, I feel like on a Friday night, I like to go out and get drunk and do a bump. But the shit you want to see, I, I actually, and I've done cocaine many times. I don't mind it. I don't love it. I think it's not necessarily a great drug. But if it was, if it was pure, if it was a, if, yeah, if I knew right now the shit you buy, it's been cut and it can be cut with fentanyl, I stay away from that shit. Yeah. But, um, Best policy right there. It is. But, uh, the, but pe- there's people that just like doing it and I get it. It's, it gets you up. If you want to get drunk but still party, it keeps, it keeps you going. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, my, my best friend Mark, we were t- talking about like this past year, if it not for the COVID, we probably wouldn't take a, our trip to South America to blow guitar. You know, just to to, to see what it's like when it, well, oh, that, actually we we were going to go to probably Brazil or Peru for the ayahuasca. But the, uh, <laughs> probably blow guitar first because uh, ayahuasca might talk us out of having that Kind of decadent binge with cocaine. Oh, so it's like <laughs> yeah, cocaine. It's like, oh wait, yeah, I want to see what it's like from the source, you know. Oh yeah, no, that's and Doctor Carl Hart talks about that. He's yeah, like, he's like, go to Colombia. He's like, exactly. it's seven dollars a gram and it's pure. Exactly. He's like, yeah, don't buy it in Miami where it's you know a hundred dollars a gram and it's twenty percent real and whatever else the fuck they put in it. Baby laxative. Yeah. Aspirin, what have you. I've actually seen. I've seen it, somebody cut it. Literally yeah, showed up sure. my buddy's house and was like, "Bought the cut, bought the stuff." And, and some people even that do it will cut it themselves because they don't think they can handle the pure. You know, I did. One of my buddy's <laughs> friends was a worked for a doctor. Um, you actually, well, I can't bring up names, but I'll tell you talk about it afterwards. But one of my buddy's doctor would buy the cocaine, and then he knew how to you know purify uh, it. Purify it, and he purify it, and he gave me one bump, and I was like. The rest of the night, I didn't want anymore, didn't need anymore. I felt great. I was just like, oh, I was just having a great mood. Yeah, free like, base is amazing. It was like, I need another one. Nope, none of that. If you're doing that crap you're all night, you're like, let me get another one in the, ba- in the bathroom. Yeah. Nope. One, you're good. One and done. 
and it was great. And I went to bed good. I mean, like by the time I was ready to go to sleep, I was, yeah, slept like a baby. It was like, and my nose didn't hurt the next day and all that shit. Yeah. See, like I, I could see the same thing with, uh, methamphetamine having its place. I've know? never done meth. Have you? Oh yeah. I've never done. That's the one I've never done. I don't want to. I've heard stories. Oh, like yeah. I'm good. Have you done any amphetamines? Well, I used to be prescribed Adderall, and, I, and I've done I've done MDMA. Okay, pure MDMA, but I, I think it's well. Fun. Then you've been in the neighborhood. Yeah, I love MDMA actually, and I've done ecstasy. That was definitely cut with something that was just got me wired for like eighteen hours. Well, you know what the MA is, and it's in methamphetamine. Yes. Yeah. So, so you have done meth. I have. I just haven't done like smoked meth out of a light bulb. Pure I didn't meth. do that either. I oh. snorted it. Okay. And it was like a tenth of a gram so between two out. people. But that, just the same, kept me up for a couple days. A couple days. I couldn't do that. Well, not a couple days. A day and a half. Was it all right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, but again, I don't know. It's, it, amphetamines, like I say, have their place. If you have work to accomplish, if you have to make a long drive, and if it's something you only do occasionally. Yeah. Well, that's it, the thing. I was prescribed Adderall. I, yeah. I, and I got it because I wanted it. And I, I went, oh, I'm ADD. Let me get this prescription. They gave it to me. It's too easy to get, really. And then, but then when, because I, I loved that, I got all kinds of shit done. Take it every day. You don't get, you get less and less done. You feel more and more depressed. Yeah. I got in a it depletes state of, your serotonin. I was a weirdo. I, I didn't want to hang out with anybody. I was in my, it was, and my creativity was shit. I thought it was being more creative. It was creating garbage. Yeah. It was worse. I, I, I literally, th- I, I threw my, my stuff away and I was, and I told my doctor, I was like, I don't want to be that, that shit anymore ever. For me, it's definitely one of those things that's best done sparingly. Yeah, if somebody had an Adderall, I'll take it. But if like I'm not gonna get prescribed it again, I don't want any part of that. I, it's just it's too much. What if somebody had a toilet? I have one. Cause uh, I'm gonna need one of those. Do you want you want to you want to wrap this thing up? If we need to, I mean, if, if you think we've covered every base, but I mean, I, I definitely we, I, need to use the facilities. Let, you know, we'll do this again too. Let's have sure. you back like, as I release it more. And we get I'm more down with that. All right, cool. Well, let's let's wrap it up, and we're about to go out and hang out anyway. I think some people are coming over. We're gonna have a fire. Gonna grill out. Yeah, I brought some wood. Brought some wood. All right. Well, thanks for being on here, Mike. My pleasure. I, it's an honor to be on the First maiden guest. voyage. Oh fuck yeah! All right. Well, I have all. I mean, of all the people I could think of, I'm. I'm so happy we're the first. All right. All right. Peace, everyone. Peace out. Peace out.